Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. CBJ in 30 is being brought to you by Mike's Hard Freeze. Here's Bob McElligot. Welcome to a special live edition of CBJ in 30. I'll tell you, this is special because it's live on location. We're at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, where we're getting set for rounds two through seven of the 2022 NHL draft. It's also special because it's not just me today. So many of you just said, thank God. I can't take just you. We've got to have something more to it. Jean-Luc Rampierre and Dylan Tyre are both here with me, and we're going to uh, we'll, we'll go over a little bit of what the Blue Jackets did yesterday in the first round when they selected at number six and number 12. They picked up two defensive prospects, two guys that are uh, well, they're, they're pretty highly rated. Uh, the Blue Jackets were very happy. Yarmo Kekalainen was extremely happy with what he was able to get out of yesterday. And now we'll see what the Blue Jackets get today, starting with the 44th overall pick. That's a second-round pick, and the Blue Jackets will be taking that in just a bit. If you were with us last night or if you watched the first round of the draft, you might think rounds two through seven, what, you're going to sit there for like four days straight and do this? No. Today is going to be more of a rapid-fire thing. The teams will uh, – get their picks in, they'll get their players down to the floor. It'll be much faster moving than it was yesterday. But, guys, let's start with last night. A little wrap-up on that. And, John Luke, you're a defenseman, so let's talk defensemen. And the uh, David Yurosek uh, that they got last night, and, you know, start things off at number six. That was nice. And then when they added uh, Matejchuk later on, uh, another defenseman who's a different style, he's a rover kind of a style, whereas Yurosek is a, a uh, kind of a – well, they say stay at home, but he's got an offensive upside too. Yarmo was, he couldn't have been more pleased. Yes, absolutely. And uh, a few of the reporters asked Yarmo about, you know, picking two defensemen. <coughs> Excuse me. Which, by the way, first time since 1967, that team picked two first round pick as a defenseman. So Yarmo, he's not afraid of controversy. Uh, we've seen in the past with, the, with his draft pick, but I think it's smart from him. Listen, you got a big right handed defenseman who was highly rated on their board they stuck to their board and i think when they made the the, the pick for matterchuck was the same thing did you have a four or a d higher on the board you got another d why not you never have too many defensemen and as yarmo said yesterday down in the future if you need a forward well you get two elite defensemen maybe they become trade baits but you get a build from the back end moving forward and dylan really the bottom line yesterday is that the blue jackets picked at 6-12, and 12, and they feel that they got two guys that were on their top 10 list, right? Yeah, 100%. I think they, they thought really highly of both David Juracek and Denton Matejchuk, and any time that you're able to get two guys out of your top 10, I mean, we don't obviously know for sure, but it sounds like that's the way it went. Anytime you're able to get two guys out of your top 10 like that, uh, when you're picking at 6-12, and 12, that's, that's pretty darn good. And, you know, I watched a little tape of David Juracek uh, before going to bed last night, and this guy can play. Really, really good stuff from David Juracek, so I'm excited to see him at development camp next week and then potentially in training camp down the road, and who knows when he's going to be a member of the Blue Jackets and Matejchuk as well as an extremely dynamic player. So I'm eager to see both of those guys on the ice in Blue Jackets uniforms this time next week, uh, but we could add another guy to that today. Absolutely. You know, Jean-Luc, you know when a guy is completely bought in to the role that he has that's where Dylan is. He watched video before he went to bed last night of Juracek's game. Yeah, especially after a long day, a long night yesterday. That first round felt like it lasts about six hours. You know, we go, 
right to bed and this guy goes and watches video so i love the dedication dylan tire you're thank you for making us look smart <laughs> of course john luke no problem happy to help as always it was, it was so long last night it was funny because you get done with the 12th and then we're doing the show and then we get done with the show that we were doing last night and the, the picture going on and at one point i said you're still like how many picks are left here? Are we still looking at 13, 14. 14 picks? We went up to the store. We bought some souvenirs, some T-shirts and hats to take home. And come back, and there's still six picks on the board. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lengthy process. And it started off so strange yesterday. Strange meaning that, you know, we really didn't know who was going to go first. And, the, like, the first four picks, it was kind of a, a scramble there. And then everything settled down and, and got – gotten more to where you, you kind of thought that it would be, right, Dylan? Yeah, it all shook out. The way that it happened wasn't necessarily the way people thought it was going to go, right? But it was that same cluster of guys that went in those first four, five, six picks. Uh, you know, the big surprise, obviously, was Shane Wright falling to Seattle, but that's really, really intriguing. Shane Wright and Matty Beneers down the middle for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, their first two drafts, you get two excellent centermen like that, two good two-way players as well so uh if you're a seattle kraken fan one of the new ones i i think you got to be pretty excited but yeah it shook out how we pretty much expected i think a lot of people expected Juracek to be there for the blue jackets at six and you know after watching that tape and doing a little bit more research on him this could be a real steal for the blue jackets it's early to say that uh but you know he's a guy that is a very very dynamic player and uh, one that excites me so i'm happy that the blue jackets were able to get him and you know, we talked to Chris Peters on the skate space a couple of weeks ago, and David Juracek was his number one overall defenseman, and Denton Matejchuk was rated as his third best defenseman. So, you know, you think about those type of guys and these prognosticators, the guys that are the prospect gurus and do all this research throughout the year. Chris Peters is a well-respected one of those guys, and he says the Blue Jackets got two out of the top three defensemen in this draft, which has got to make you feel pretty good. Absolutely. Got to make you feel good. And, uh, Jarmo walking by us right now. He's got a little bit of time before uh, he gets to that second-round pick. But the activity's already started today, guys. Um, you know, just mentioned a few moments ago here, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes making a trade with the Philadelphia Flyers. Tony D'Angelo, who Carolina signed. Let's go back a year ago when Carolina signed Tony D'Angelo. And so many people in the hockey world were, I don't know if appalled is too strong of a word here, but it was like, why are they doing that? What are they doing with this guy? Like, he was really, really good for them. In fact, he was so good for them that he took a, a bargain contract, and now he has outpriced himself in Carolina. They had to deal him. They're sending him to Philadelphia. It looks like he's got a two-year extension already in place with the Philadelphia Flyers to go there. And, and the Flyers, you know, they, they pay a pretty steep price uh, in order to get him from Carolina. But, hey, good right-shot defenseman. That's what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And, listen, you're getting, a for Carolina, smart move. Yes, it's a little bit of a gamble, but it's a one-year, under $1 million a year. Uh, contract that they give him he comes back there fantastic season redeems himself and then now second third and a fourth round pick in exchange for D'Angelo and then signed two-year deal there in Philadelphia so congratulations to him but who would have thought this guy got basically kicked out of New York and uh, next thing you know one season he turns it all around yeah to, to his credit to yeah, his credit absolutely and uh, you know he you know everywhere when you look at this trade it, like everybody loved him as a teammate, so they say in Carolina, not a guy they wanted to get rid of, but that's the hard salary cap 
that we're in right now. Look, the Tampa Bay Lightning just went through it last week when they had to give up a, a proven leader in Ryan McDonough. Yeah, McDonough, and then, but for Carolina, if you look historically, they do not like to overpay for players, and yes, they love the services that D'Angelo brought to them, but probably the salary that, you know, they, they were trying to negotiate was completely uh, out of their budget, and then they move him for, you know, I think they got a really, really strong return for him, so. Yeah, what did they get? They gave up a second, a third, and a fourth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? That's so, a lot. Yeah, that, that's a lot. <laughs> That is, that's a lot. But that's where Philadelphia is, too, here. Because they, look, they were embarrassed last year. Absolutely embarrassed. Elaine Vigneault out. Jean Tortorella is now in. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, it was pretty well known that he's going to try to remake his team through trades and free agency here this summer. And so here's a step. Uh, you know, last night we were walking around on the street and we passed the Philadelphia contingent, which I would have never known if Jean-Luc wouldn't have started yelling for Danny Briere to get his attention. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they... They were, you had a chance to catch up with an old buddy there. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny. You know, back in our junior days, I used to chase Danny Briere around the corner, and it was kind of the same thing yesterday on the street. <laughs> only difference. Literally, is, they were on the corner. <laughs> only, only difference, and this time I didn't have to lay a hit on him. But, yeah, it was great to catch up. And it's been such a wonderful weekend to be on site and not on Zoom and being able to catch up with all the executives around the league. Absolutely, no question about it. What else do you think we got going on here today, Dylan? I think we're going to see a lot of different deals going down. I mean, we've already seen a couple of goaltender trades this morning as well. Billy Huso going to Detroit for a third-round pick. Seattle and Detroit linking up there as they did at the trade deadline, remember, with the Nick Letty deal. Uh, and then what was the other one that we just had a few moments ago? New Jersey acquired a goaltender, John. luc Correct. Yeah, you uh, had that it one. was the goaltender from uh, Washington. Yeah, Vitek Vanacek. So Vanacek. New Jersey's been looking for a goaltender, and they just got one there. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what goes on. I'm curious to see what Carolina's going to do because now they need a puck-moving offensive defenseman to kind of lead that power play. They've obviously got a lot of depth there, but that's the role that Dougie Hamilton played and then the role that – Tony D'Angelo filled with Dougie Hamilton departing for New Jersey. So uh, I wonder if Carolina makes another move or if they think they have somebody in-house that can take over. It, and it's interesting, too, we talk about, you know, this. every goalie name was thrown out there except Vitek Vanacek. Yeah. <laughs> what my point here is they talk about uh, the goalies that are going to be in the goalie carousel, and then New Jersey goes out and they kind of go under the radar and get this guy out of Washington. He's an interesting story because he had to play a lot because of injuries. And he did well, but then, but then he was then the odd man out again by the end of the year. So uh, I'm sure he's excited about a, a new start well, in New Jersey. Well, think about things. What what was the return for Vitek Vanacek, John Luke? Do you know? Uh, because Vitek Vanacek, remember, was selected by Seattle in the expansion draft, and I think Washington traded a second round pick to Seattle to get him back. So uh, kind of an interesting thing there, and. Uh, you know, keeping it within the Metro, you know, the Washington Capitals, people kind of thought going into this draft that they could potentially trade one or both of their goaltenders. They're not happy with what Ilya Samsonov has done these past couple of seasons. And, you know, think back to uh, Braden Holpe's last season in, uh, in Washington. Vitek Vanacek looked like he was the heir apparent there, which is why they let Braden Holpe walk. And now, or excuse me, uh, Ilya Samsonov looked like the heir apparent, so they let Braden Holpe walk. And you know, now they're talking about getting rid of him and finding new goaltenders, but yeah, Vitek Vanacek out the door, so I assume that means Samsonov stays and they're going to try a, 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 and get him back on track. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because every year, every summer you hear, hey, this summer there's going to be a lot of goalie moves, and then this summer so far you got Georgiev, that moves, Vanacek is moving, 
look like the Colorado Avalanche are shopping Darcy Kemper right now as well with the big sign they did yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a different league. Last and a lot of new coaches, of course, because the, this year, how many new head coaches have been hired? Eight or nine, I believe. So it's yeah, going to be a completely like that, different yeah. league. Yeah, completely different. So second round has begun here in uh, Montreal. The Canadians taking the first pick in the second round. We've uh, taken Owen Beck to get things going. The San Jose Sharks are now on the board. Again, the Blue Jackets uh, will be making their pick in just a little bit. But one of the reasons we wanted to do this live CBJ and 30 today, and we wanted to do it on Twitter Spaces, is so that uh, we could get you involved in it. And a couple of you have uh, already requested to be a part of this. So um, let's take a couple of questions while we're sitting here and and get things going. And let's, uh, let's go with, first of all here, C. Hep. And as soon as we get connected, we'll be ready to go. So the internet in Montreal is yeah, much the, better today than yesterday, by the way. Yeah, let's see yeah. if C. Hep can get in here. I know we've maybe had some internet struggles to start off the show here, but see if we can hear C. Hep. Go ahead. Can you hear us? I may need hold on for a second here. We technical difficulties are not such a beautiful thing here. Let me uh, let me make some adjustments here. And we'll try this and see if we can get this going and get this the right way. Are you there? Yeah, there we are. Go ahead. Yeah, you guys are fading in and out a little bit today. It must be bad reception in in, the, in there today. But uh, uh, I'd seen – or being a St. Louis Blues seat holder, uh, uh, I'd just seen where the Blues had traded uh, Huso for a uh, second pick to Detroit. Um, I just want to know if you could uh, – um, I don't. Uh, I follow a lot of the minor league stuff, and of course the NHL stuff. But living down here in uh, St. Louis, we don't get a lot of the uh, junior hockey, so to speak. I just want to know if you could elaborate on, on the Blues' uh, first-round pick uh, that they picked up yesterday with the 20, 30, 23rd pick overall. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate you being on uh, with us today. And turn to our. Turn to our draft ep expert here, Dylan Tyre. So the National Development Program, U.S. Yeah, Jimmy Snuggerud. Yeah, he's a big player. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, obviously, there. So, you know, it's not a guy that I've done a ton of research on, to be completely honest with you, because he was a, a later first-round projection, and the Blue Jackets uh, had those high picks. But, yeah, Snuggerud, I've heard, is a... He's a dynamic player, a guy who's strong, can play. You know, he's a, a right shot winger, um, and certainly a guy that it matches kind of the the profile of St. Louis, the hard to play against type of player, and somebody that I'm sure they imagine slotting in in a couple of years. And you know, Jimmy Snuggerud, you look at some of the numbers here: six foot one, 190 pounds. Uh, certainly a guy that can put up points as well. Uh, this past season in the USHL. 
He had 26 points in 26 games across all uh, national team games. He had 63 points in 59 games. You know, pretty fair amount of penalty minutes as well. 32 penalty minutes in those 59 games across all play. 22 penalty minutes in those 26 games. So, like I said, a, a guy that's hard to play against. Physical, physical winger and a guy that can score a little bit as well. So it fits that St. Louis Blues profile. All right. There you go. That's a pretty good breakdown out of nowhere. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Uh, that's good. So, um... Let's see here. We will uh, – let's go to Heather. Let's see if we can get Heather on here to talk a little NHL draft with us. Live from Montreal from the Bell Center, second round action. Uh, the picks are being made one at a time here. The Blue Jackets uh, will have their pick coming up shortly, and we'll let you know what it is. Heather, are you there? I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes we, can. we can. Go ahead. Awesome. Okay, first and foremost, the uh, tour of Montreal with um, Bob and John Luke Trump here, that was great. <laughs> it's all about the host, well, right? <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, and hopefully you get a chance to come here. But again, like we mentioned during that little clip, make sure you make your visit here between April and uh, September because uh, <laughs> it's a short period, but after that, it just goes down real quick. <laughs> Oh, I love listening to you guys. Anyways, um, I was really impressed with both of our guys' draft picks. I actually had, um, and I'm not going to, I'm going to use the best names I can pronounce because I don't want to mess up anybody's names. But I originally had Geeky as six and then Cutter as 12, and I knew it was a long shot because I figured that neither would probably be available, and it figured that both were picked right before our pick. So, nah, what are you going to do? But, um, both of our defensemen that we got, they're, they seem both incredibly talented, and I think we got really great picks for two guys that I didn't hear a ton about. And I'm shocked that especially our 12th-round pick, with him having 64 games and 65 points total in that time frame, I mean, that's just amazing, especially for a defenseman. Yeah, you know, you're talking about Denton Matejchuk there, and Matejchuk, he's yeah. a he is a guy that can really, really pass the puck, and it's not just creating assists and passing the puck, but we've talked to a, a couple of different scouts about it, and you know, read all the different scouting reports and watch tape on, on Matejchuk play, and he finds his teammates in really dangerous areas of the ice. That was an emphasis when we talked to a couple of the scouts after the draft yesterday that Matejchuk, you know, every time the Blue Jackets watched him play, he was a huge difference maker on the ice. He was, you know, one of the best players on the ice literally every time they saw him play, never had a bad game. So that's the type of player that, that you're getting in Denton Matejchuk, a guy that's really, really uh, consistent and can clearly put up points. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Heather. On uh, on my post, I thought it'd be funny. You know how um, maybe not so much I'm bleeding over here into another different sport here, but um, when it comes to uh, John Cena and WWE, he says, you can't see me. I want to see our number 12 and Blankenberg play together because they're smaller, and I think that the guys just won't pay attention. I'm thinking, oh, you guys are nothing. We'll be fine. Score, score. Score. <laughs> well, we were. I was joking about that last night. You know, people were saying the one thing about Matejchuk is he's small. I said, don't worry, we found a smaller guy already. It's not a problem. This guy's big. He's huge. But, right. Uh, but yeah. uh, both very good players in their own right. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to um, when it is that uh, Matejchuk is one of those guys with Blankenberg and Yurchek and, you and know. You 
That's what it's all about. Yeah, and when you look at the draft and you look at the top 12 pick yesterday overall for the league, it's all centers and defensemen. So Cutter Gauthier is a left winger, but he's going to be playing center in college. So basically you have six centers, five defensemen, and one true left winger who was Slavkowski was the first pick. So it's kind of interesting to see how these guys are coming out right now. It's all about defense and sentiments. Blue Jackets are on the clock right now. Bob was not kidding about how quick things go here in the second round. We're already 11 picks deep into round number two, uh, and the Blue Jackets are just about set to go. Oh, yeah, the Blue Jackets are drafting Luca Del Beluz, one of the most skilled players in this draft. A lot of people had this guy going towards the end of the first round, so the Blue Jackets getting a really slick centerman here with the 12th pick of the second round. That's exciting. Ah, uh, centerman, you were just talking about that, Jean-Luc. Here we go. Well, the trend continues. That's how uh, new NHL teams are built now. It's through the middle of the ice, which has been a lack uh, you know, like a deficiency for the Blue Jackets over the last few years, and now they're really starting to stack up the depth chart. So, Luca, I think we're going to be able, because he's in attendance here at the draft, I think we'll probably be able to get Luca uh, on the on the space here in just a little bit. So we'll get to hear from new Blue Jackets centerman, Luca Del Beluz. We'll uh, get a little bit more info on him, but like I said, as of right now, just a really, really slick centerman and a teammate of another Blue Jackets prospect in Mississauga. He plays with Ule Julian Bjorkvik Holm, who's another one of those defensive prospects for the Blue Jackets. Was this a so. battle for the longest name on these guys? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> By right, the way, Ule right, Jean-Luc Grandpierre? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is correct. Ule is an absolute delight, so we might have to get uh, get the scoop on Luca from uh, from Ule. So, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, Luca coming up here shortly, hopefully. Yeah, well, it's great that he's here. The family was extremely excited to hear his name and, and watch him run down those stairs. So the Blue Jackets taking Luca Del Blues in the uh, second round, 44th pick. And as Dylan said, he is here, and uh, we will get him on. So in the meantime, well... See again. Here's where the this this is where you have to uh, improvise because like yesterday we knew we had to wait for the the uh, top guys to go through a little bit and then Todd Sharrock would bring them to us. I don't know how fast we get them today. Hockey, Hockey DB is updating so quick that I just pulled up Luca Dubalus's profile and they already have him going in the second round, 44th overall really? to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Literally 45 seconds after he so was taken. So what interns are for, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Get uh, the numbers here on Luca: 76 points in 68 games this past season, 30 goals, 46 assists, six foot one, 175 pound left shot centerman. So uh, a good, uh, a pretty good size there, and a, a guy that's been compared to a Sam Reinhart in the National Hockey League. So I like, uh, I like what Luca has. Certainly an exciting prospect for the Blue Jackets. So he's uh, at the Blue Jackets table right now, shaking hands. With the management there, getting the congratulations all around from those at the uh, management table. So after he does that, I'm sure that he's going to make his way over here to us, and we will uh, we'll let you hear from him as a Blue Jacket for the very first time. as a Blue Jacket prox, uh, prospect for the very first time here. So uh, it's exciting. Yeah, really exciting. And then, Dylan, uh, you know, you're the expert as far as the draft comes, but if you look at the draft yesterday in the first round, I believe only two OHL players were selected, which has to be an all-time low for the Ontario Hockey League. And that's when you, you think of the pandemic and what happened uh, two seasons ago and the lack of development for so many of these guys. So you will see a lot of OHL players probably in those later rounds that could really become impact players in the NHL just because 
they're a year behind everyone else, if you really think about it. Yeah, that's a great point because so many of the top prospects from Canada were out of the WHL this year, almost all of them. But, you know, Luca is a guy that, you know, could potentially be exactly that for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Maybe a little diamond in the rough there early in the second round, a guy that should have gone higher. And like I said, people had him projected towards the end of the first round. So the Blue Jackets uh, may be getting themselves a steal here. Yeah, we, uh, we'll find out as it goes along. But that's how the Blue Jackets start their day. Here on uh, round two, round two through seven at the Bell Center in Montreal. Bob McElligot, Jean-Luc here, Dylan Tyre all here. And taking your questions when Luke is available, they'll bring them to us and we'll have them on. In the meantime, let's continue to hear from you and find out what's on your mind as we keep it going from Montreal today. Coming up next here on this live edition of CBJ in 30, brought to you by Mike's Hard Freeze, is Sean. Sean, welcome to the show. Sean, go quick, ahead. I, Sean, I hit the wrong button. Go ahead. Start over again. Sorry about that. Mic check, mic check. There you you're go. Good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Awesome. Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, just a quick question. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the draft uh, a year ago was the Jake Voracek, Cam Atkinson um, straight-up trade. Um, obviously, you know, you know, you know um, these guys personally. You've known these guys for a while. But it seems that Yarmo really kind of has a, a, a keen eye for these sorts of trades. So, do you see any sort of um, um, inkling that might happen, or is that kind of a one-off, or is he just kind of hold pat with the rest of the picks that we have so far? What do you mean, just a, a trade in general, or a trade like? Well, first of all, when, when you're talking about that trade, Sean, I'll tell you what I love about that trade the most—not just that Jake Voracek came back, who is uh, an individual that I tremendously enjoy being around, but. Yarmo needed a guy that was going to be a playmaker. The Philadelphia Flyers needed a guy that was going to be a shooter. And when the numbers were done at the end of the year, the two guys were almost identical when it came to points. And Jake had almost every one of his points through assists. And Cam had a whole bunch of goals. So what I'm saying is it is a trade. I give both general managers credit for that. Uh, Chuck Fletcher from Philly and Yarmo. They both know what they needed. They both correctly identified what they were getting in each one of those players. So... That, to me, that was almost a perfect trade. Right. It right? really was. I love that deal. I mean, it, at the time, I loved that deal. In hindsight, I loved that deal. And, you know, Jake is what he is. It's He's so important to the yeah. Blue Jackets, not just on the ice. I'm going to go out room. on a limb and say Jake's going to have more than six goals this coming year. Yeah. yeah. You think so, Jalen? I'd say so, absolutely. <laughs> and, and like you said, you know, as a, as a fan or, you know, even for us, being Blue Jackets fan, we want to see our team win the trades. But... When you trade a guy like Cam Atkinson or Nick Foligno that meant so much to this franchise, you want them to do well somewhere else as well. And I would say this trade really worked out both, uh, great for both teams. So uh, I think it was a great trade, like you said, by both general manager on this one. And could that happen again uh, today during the rounds that go on today? Of course it could. There's no doubt about it. Jack Hughes finally got taken here, 51st overall. Yeah, the son of, not that Jack Hughes, but he's the yeah. son of Montreal Canadiens GM Kent Hughes. So people were maybe speculating that Montreal could end up taking him, but no, he goes to the LA Kings 51st overall. And another highly skilled player. He's playing his college hockey at Northeastern. So a uh, nice little pick there by uh, by the Kings. I know they like their college guys. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not he would wind up in his father's organization here uh, last night. There were a lot of people rooting for it, as a matter of fact, but it didn't happen. He does uh, become a member of the Los Angeles Bob, Kings. Yeah. 
it's kind of funny because uh, Mark Bergevin is now with the LA Kings and <laughs> Jack Hughes' dad took his job in Montreal, so he's like, well, I'll just take your son now. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we see a trade here coming down <laughs> maybe that, later this summer. That is a, that's a great <laughs> sub-story to that. That is absolutely great. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us today on this live CBJ in 30 from uh, day two of the NHL draft. If you'd like uh, to ask a question, all you have to do is request on Twitter. Request to be a speaker. We'll bring you on. We'll let you ask your question and uh, gladly give you an answer. True, false, you'll never know. Right. We'll never know. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, glad to have you aboard here today as we're already rolling through. They're already up to uh, pick number 53 overall. So this uh, put this got underway a little bit after 11 o'clock. It's about 11.30 right now. So they're just rolling. Luca Del Bell Belouz is apparently coming on soon, Todd Chirac yes. tells us. Yes. That's, a, that's a mouthful. Four names just like John Luke. Luca Del Bell Belouz. No hyphens, though. Yeah, no hyphens. <laughs> <laughs> Your claim to fame. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, oh, my goodness. Got some requests in there, yeah, Bob? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to go to Mike here in just a second as soon as it hooks up and Mike's got a question for us here from day two of the draft. So, Mike, welcome to CBJ and 30. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. All right. Yep. Um, um, so, yeah, I guess my question is um, uh, leading up to the trade deadline in the spring, all we heard about, we need to defend, you know, the arm folks. Came out and said, you know, I, I think we're gonna, gonna save all the all the moving and all the pieces until uh, in the offseason. Now that we're in the middle of the draft weekend, we're in round two. Used uh, you know two of the top picks in the first round. We used the second round pick. Uh, is it surprising at all that you guys, three guys, uh, you know, we're essentially spending our capital or, or pieces that potentially could have been for guys. Um, that we could make trades for for, uh, for people that we need now rather than future pieces that we're getting. Obviously, it's great to have size and, and either the pipeline two, three years down the line, but, you know, for next year, um, is, it, is it a surprise all for you with some of the track records putting it all out on the line um, that we're using these draft picks now rather than, uh, you know, Well, you know, uh, no. No, it's, it's not surprising to me that they're making these picks and that they're not using them for help right now because it, this is not the only capital that you have. You don't have to use the picks in this draft to get what you're looking for. Free agency starts on July the 13th. Again, there are a lot of teams that are going to be cap squeezed and there are going to be guys that are available. There are going to be guys that need to be moved. Uh, and you have a lot of wingers. You've got too many wingers. You've got to – at some point, you're going to have to make some room for some guys to play, and you can take forwards, and you can turn them into defensemen via trade. So, you know, just because there was no trade last night, just because there's no trade before the second round, I mean, we still got a whole bunch of uh, draft to do here today before it's all said and done. But th this is not the be-all, end-all. If you don't use these picks, you're using these picks to restock the system. You can use what you already have to trade and get what you need, or you can use the salary cap 
to go ahead and add salary and bring in a guy via free agency that you need. So am, am I right? You guys well, agree? Well, with I me? mean, the Blue Jackets, we've talked about it ad nauseum. The Blue Jackets have this glut of wingers that they have to trade. That's where they're going to be trading from. And you're not necessarily going to be trading those guys for just picks. You can make a hockey trade with some of these wingers and bring somebody, you know, of note back to you that way. So, you know, it, it hasn't happened yet. We were probably expecting something to happen with the Blue Jackets yesterday, the way that Yarmo Kekalainen talked before the draft. Frankly, I was pretty surprised they didn't make a trade yesterday, but that's not to say something won't happen today because day two of the draft last year is when the Blue Jackets made their hockey trade. I, I fully expect things to happen today. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as hockey trades, as the, uh, the, the free agency thing is going to happen there, I believe on July 13th, you're going to start right. seeing a lot of pieces moving from team to team as they're trying to create space for their own team. So, you know, I wouldn't sleep on it. You know, we're going to we're gonna be done by 5 o'clock here today on July 8th, but the general managers and the scouts still have plenty of work to do here. Yeah, and then guess what? When today's over, you have every draft pick next year that you can start to use to make trades as well. So it's not like... And next year's draft picks are worth a lot, given yes. the guys at the top of that draft. Don't forget that either. Yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, long answer to your question is no. We're, we're not surprised. We're not shocked. Listen, here's – I say this every year, whether we're here, whether we're somewhere else covering this thing. Every year it's pumped up like there's this is the year there's going to be so many trades, you're not going to believe it, and then you get there and everybody's making their picks and they're doing nothing, right? Right. So it never surprises me when there's not a lot of that stuff going on. But, again, it doesn't mean that we're not going to see something today. And – as Jean-Luc said, look, next week these prospects are going to be in Columbus at the Chiller North for the development camp, and free agency is going to open at the same time on, uh, what is that, what day is uh, the, the 13th, 13th is, what, 13th Tuesday? July, yeah. yeah, 13th or, or of July Wednesday. is next Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, sorry. So when that opens up, there's going to be a million things going on. You're going to be seeing a lot of the guys that were taken last night and today, and then who knows who's going to be wearing a, a Blue Jackets uh, jersey by the time the season opens, there could be one, maybe two guys. Who knows? You don't know. So you can't put it all on uh, on this one two-day period and say, well, they didn't, didn't make a trade, so I guess nothing's going to happen. You don't know. If life were just that easy to figure out, it would be uh, <laughs> no fun, I guess. But anyway, uh, rolling on through the second round, uh, they're on the 59th overall pick right now, which belongs to the Calgary Flames. Um, so let's talk about the division here. We talked about uh, Vanacek getting traded. That was in division. Uh, Washington to New Jersey. You don't see that a lot, right? A lot of, a lot of teams don't like to do that in, in division trading, but uh, those guys did. Philadelphia gets D'Angelo and he's got a two-year extension going there. Um, it, I'm going to be really interested to watch what happens. Is there finally going to be a changing of the guard in the Metropolitan Division? The Pittsburgh Penguins have found a way to keep Chris Letang. And I'll tell you what, when we were there late in the year, everybody I talked to was pretty much of the opinion it's a done deal. This guy's going to be gone. They're not going to be able to keep him. They found a way to keep him. They gave him a long contract. They gave him a six-year contract. He's 35 years old, but they did that to keep the cap hit where they needed it. Um, you know, they've got a sign of getting Malkin if they want to keep him there and do that. You know, it, it, at what point are the Penguins and the Capitals starting to age out and somebody else is starting to build the youth and, and climb into those spots? Well, I, I think the youth right now, as we're seeing, you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New Jersey Devils, a team that is going to take a big leap forward this season. 
and then obviously the Rangers ahead of schedule, if you ask me. And the Carolina Hurricanes is still, you know, a very strong team. So it's going to be really interesting to see as the, all these young teams are staying young, but they're getting faster. And then on the other spectrum, you're looking at a team like Pittsburgh and, yes, yeah, six years to Latang. It's hard because Latang, Crosby, and Malkin are basically Hall of Famer. Their numbers are going to be retired in Pittsburgh for sure. So as an organization, you have to find a way to keep these guys because they meant so much to the franchise. But it's got to be hard. Yes, it's new man, well, new ownership there, and you're still loyal to your fan base about keeping these guys around. But you're aging really quickly. So I don't see Pittsburgh really fighting for playoff stuff spot next season just because of the age factor and the goaltending situation, but who knows? They but, always find a way. They, they always I, find a way. I, and to me, as, as long as they have Sidney Crosby, they have a chance. That, yep. That's just a fact. As long yep. as he's still playing, look, he, he's in his mid-30s now and he's still playing at a very high level. So you have a chance there, but the thing about them is, you know, as we sit here at the draft and we talk about this, you know, when you're contending and you have a chance to go deep in the playoffs, man, that first-round pick, you could care less about that first-round pick, right? Well, Pittsburgh cared less about that first-round pick for a long, long time. Like, when they made theirs last night, I was thinking, I don't know the last time I remember them having a first-round pick. So, But at some point, you got to pay the price, yep. right? And and that's that's where you start sitting now. Those teams that have been, uh, you know, perennials going deep into the playoffs and they've been trading those picks away, you know, eventually uh, – you have to pay the piper. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're sitting right in front of the Tampa Bay Lightning table here. And I think that was probably uh, the first time in a while that they had a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't at the draft necessarily in the past. But you look at all the trades they've done over the years. And, you know, yes, they're late picks. But still, to be able to be sitting on the floor and making a first-round pick every single year for a franchise, that means you're building up your prospect pool big time. Yeah, where we're sitting, and we're at the back of the, the stage is directly in front of us, and then all the teams are at tables, and then we're right behind the last row of tables. <laughs> this is the most relaxed row of tables, by the way, because you've got the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche. They were the final four this year, okay? Yes, their first rounders are gone, <laughs> and, 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 and they, uh, they're in a good spot is what I'm trying to say here. So... These guys have been all smiles and laughs uh, the last day and a half that we've been here. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Colorado and uh, Colorado and Tampa right in front of us, and you can see, yes, they're still uh, probably pretty happy of you know, making it to the finals. And there's a lot of rings between all these executives here right in front of us. That's for sure. <laughs> Stanley Cup rings, that is. Stanley Cup rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Montreal Canadiens just picked. They're having a really nice draft. I know we were talking about the Metro, but to get out of the Metro and into the Atlantic for just a minute, Lane Hudson on a lot of people's boards was the best player available going into round two. And the Montreal Canadiens just drafted him 62nd overall. So in the final five picks here of the second round, so a really nice pick potentially there by Montreal. I was curious to see if he would fall anywhere towards the Blue Jackets because he's a... Uh, the big knock on him is he's very, very small. He's an American defenseman, but he's really, really good. So uh, I like that pick there by Montreal. They're starting off. They've had a very nice draft to start things off here, reloading themselves. Well, they've had to uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, last year, complete disappointment for them. Uh, new general manager, new coach. And when you have the draft in Montreal, Jean-Luc, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're going to have the draft in Montreal and you're coming off a season like they did, you better make a splash here. Yeah, you want to go out with a bang, and that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, yesterday, uh, after uh, their first selection, it, it was like, 
a big party in here. And before the draft, outside on the plaza, when we walked up, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Draft didn't start till 7, 7.30, and it was already packed. People already, you thought, if you didn't know any better, you thought it was going to be a playoff game in here. So, yes, disappointing season, but, oh. We've got Luca coming up yes. to join us here in a minute. John Luke, how about you get that headset and we yep, can get Luca on here in just a moment. Uh, welcome to the Blue Jackets here as soon as he gets this uh, headset on. Yeah, We're we'll excited to talk to Luca. We'll let him get set up here. And How's it going, Luca? Can you he's, hear us? He's a pro already. <laughs> yeah, Come yeah, on here. <laughs> Luca Del Belbaluz, uh, welcome to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, how's your morning been? Uh, a lot of nerves this morning. I uh, wasn't able to get any food down this morning. Uh, no breakfast for me. But, uh, you know, now, now it's just full of emotion and just super excited. Glad to get it out of the way, right? Yeah, Let's exactly. Just get on there and get going here. What's, um, what do you know about the Blue Jackets? How much have you uh, looked at the different teams and how excited are you? Well, let's just start with a uh, guy on my team, my Mississauga Steelheads team, uh, Ula Bjorvik Holm. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, where's an assistant captain on my team and, you know, he's a guy I look up to. And, uh, yeah, he's an excellent guy, but, you know, even up front uh, with Columbus, you know, you got young guns like Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, you know, even Line A uh, on the back end. You got Wierenski, uh, Blankenberg's a young guy. So, you know, a lot of great young guys, and, you know, just can't, can't wait to get started. You seem to know a lot about the Blue Jackets. Did you have an inkling that this team might select you and you got your research done, or are you just that big of a hockey fan? I'm just that big of a hockey <laughs> fan. That I, I watch a lot of hockey, and I follow it a lot, so uh, just... It's, it's, it's in my brain. Hey, Luca, real quick here. First of all, I'm a nice guy, so I'm going to give you some trail mix right yeah. here. Thank you. So, well, he's hungry, so I'm going to try to help him out, right? Second thing, though. Where did you get that? Always, Never mind. I don't want to know. Ask I your question. I travel with snacks. You know that, Bob. But <laughs> anyway, wanna, could you describe your game and yourself as a player to our fans that are listening right now? Yeah, I'm, I'd say I'm a two-way center. I like to play both sides of the puck, and, you know, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me, I'm a very creative, offensive-minded guy, and, you know, I can create offense uh, in any any position, and I think that's how I describe myself. What are you working on going forward? What do you want to do at development camp coming up, and, and what's the outlook for next season for you? Uh, I think the two biggest things for me are uh, speed and strength. Uh, you know, getting in the gym, doing a lot of those stuff, a lot of that stuff is going to help with, you know, getting faster. So I think they kind of correlate to each other, and I think it's going to help me, help me in the long run. How much are you looking forward to that development camp? I'm extremely excited. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just <laughs> extremely excited. You uh, know, it's kind of funny to be uh, – are you excited to skate in the middle of July? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for this reason, no doubt. Uh, so your family was here today? Yeah, I got around like 50 people here. Oh, wow. uh, I, it was a big cheer when they announced your name. Yeah, it was yeah. very noticeable in here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if – a lot of a lot of people come to Mississauga still has games, and they say probably have the biggest fan base in the whole OHL. So uh, I got a big family and a big support group, and – you know, I thank them all for coming out tonight. So, Well, that that's excellent. We appreciate you taking a couple of minutes uh, so that we could introduce you to the Blue Jackets fans here today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you real soon again next week at Development Camp. And best of luck as you start to go through what's a long process to get to the NHL. Exactly. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, thank you. Luca Del Belbaluz, uh, he was a second-round pick taken by the Blue Jackets this morning. And uh, the young centerman is going to be uh, – his name's on the list, everybody. It's now time, as I just said, it's time for that long journey. And it's funny, John Luke, you, you watch everybody here and, you know, they've got the, the big smiles and you're so happy and, and rightfully so. And then the journey really begins. You know, it's, it's been such a journey for these kids just to get to this point. And now there's so much more hard work that they've got to do 
before you could be uh, Patrick Line, Boone Jenner, uh, you know, Cam Atkinson guys. A lot of work to do. And as you're saying these names, it's interesting because they all have a different journey. Patrick Line was, I want to say, the third over, no, second overall pick Correct. his year. Obviously, was Austin Maitieu and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then Cam Atkinson, I believe, was a six-round pick. So it, you never know how it's going to turn out. And that's why, yes, there's not um, as much emphasis on today's day when it comes to a draft as far as the fans are concerned. But you look at the Blue Jackets and Gavrikov was a six-round pick. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand was a turnrounder. Gus Nyquist, fourth round. So there's a lot of guys that come from later rounds. And uh, it's nice to see the journey, follow them along, and look at that outfit right here. It's <laughs> Ty Nelson just got drafted by the Seattle Kraken, and he looks like he knew he was going to get taken by yeah. the Kraken based off of his outfit. He's got a blue and gray pinstripe suit, and he's got a blue top hat on. Yeah, he's like a uh, aqua blue fedora type hat <laughs> to match the Seattle Kraken <laughs> colors. <laughs> Uh, he's the most stylish guy. That that's I've a first-round so look right there. Yeah, that's a first-rounder right there in my book. <laughs> first round. By look. the way, we're into the third round right now. Blue Jackets have the second-to-last pick of the third round. Tampa Bay Lightning, this is the pick the Blue Jackets got, along with the first-rounder for David Savard a couple of seasons ago at the trade deadline. After that, it, uh, the Blue Jackets will select in the fourth round, but between the fourth and the seventh, nothing going on for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, so. a long, long break there. Devin Kaplan just went to Philadelphia. That's a, an interesting pick for them. Another guy that I'm sure the Blue Jackets were interested in, a U.S. development program guy who has a ton of size. Um, so he and Cutter Gauthier get to play together in Philadelphia, teammates at the U.S. program and, and pretty big guys that, that really can compete. So an intriguing duo there. They're going back to the Broad Street Bullies, I think, there in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you didn't know that the minute John Tortorella was hired as the head coach, I know you knew And that. now they're drafting to fit it, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, you know. Torch isn't handpicking them, by the way. I understand he showed up. He was here for a couple of hours, and then he left again. So, uh, <laughs> typical Torts. <laughs> I'll see you in camp. Just be in shape, yeah. right? Yeah, I really don't have time to be here. Leave. <laughs> we'll, see you in, we'll see you for the two-mile run in training camp, which I'm sure every one of the Flyers is uh, not looking forward to. Once again, we are live on Twitter Spaces for the CBJ in 30. Brought to you by Mike's Hard Lemonade. Or no, it's uh, Mike's Hard Freeze. Mike's Sorry Hard Freeze, Jeez, yeah. Oh man. yeah. Luca Del Belbeluz was a very nice young man. I think that's something the Blue Jackets, it appears they're really targeting good character guys. We talked to Denton Matejchuk, and he seemed exactly the same. And, and David Juracek, everything that I've heard about him. We didn't get to talk to him for a long time yesterday and get to know him like we will. But everything I've heard about David Juracek as well is he's a great character guy. So I think that's a, a big deal here that the Blue Jackets are drafting these character guys that that are going to fit the mold of the Blue Jackets, right? Yeah, and that's, that is a big thing. Yarmo always talks about that. It's, it's the hardest thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can watch them play. You can watch video. You can go to the game. You can watch them play. Where the real work is is finding out what kind of a person that they actually are. Yeah, it's, like, it's actually a really good point brought by both of you guys. And when we talk to Yarmo about the overall scouting experience between COVID and now, that's one of the things he brought up. He's like, when I go scout players, he's like, I like to go down on the board and watch their eyes and their body language. Do they flinch when they go in the corner? And that's something they couldn't see in video when they were doing everything virtually. So it, you talked about character. That's exactly it. It's not just about stats and what you can do on the ice. It's about your body language and really reading the guy's eyes as they're playing the game. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't have time to get into this last night, but we have uh, plenty of time today. So I want to talk to you about this. We were walking back last night. 
And I said to John Luke, I said, have you ever come to the draft before? And you said, the only time I came to the draft was when I was drafted. Tell us your draft story. So that was uh, 1995, and it was actually in Edmonton, and I was, uh, got hurt a lot my, uh, my draft year. And, you know, I was pro projected between the, fifth and the, f uh, the third and the fifth round. And that was a year where the Quebec Major Junior League had the most players ever drafted that year. So I was seeing all these guys and all my teammates basically getting drafted. And I'm like, this, this, is, this was not a fun experience. And then finally, seventh round, there was nine rounds at the time, I get my name called in, and uh, the coach was uh, Mike Keenan, Iron Mike as we know him. And I remember coming down and shaking his hand because I was at the draft. Back then, everybody went to the draft, right? And I shook his hand, and I wouldn't let go because <laughs> I was so mad yet so happy to get drafted that I just kept shaking his hand for about 15 seconds, and I wouldn't let go. It was, it was actually quite the experience. But to have your family and he there. went right to the GM and said, we got to trade this guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take that long. But it, it's kind of uh, you think about the journey, and as these players are here in the building, it's not just about them. And we, you know, we just talked to a couple of guys, and you know, yes, they have 50 people. It's about your friends, your teammates, your parents, your brothers, uncles, everybody that is part of the journey all along is so important. So it's a great moment for everyone, their family here today. But uh, as a player, it's really more than just you and what you did, because you know it's just the beginning, but it's validation for all the people around you. Absolutely. In the, well, starting to get almost to the middle of the, uh, the third round yeah, here. Blue Jackets pick is going to be uh, here sooner rather than later. Yeah, no question about that. So, again, they're just rolling there. Just made pick number 74 overall. The Montreal Canadiens are back on the clock for the fans here at the Bell Center getting ready for the 75th overall pick. Um, let's go back to Twitter spaces here, and uh, let's get to Sean. would like to... To ask us a question, so we'll, uh, we'll, hook, we'll hook up here with Sean and find out what's on his mind, and then I might let you two here for a second and go try to round up somebody to talk mm -hmm. to here. There's plenty of people around. I don't, I don't know if they'll talk to me. Sean, what's on your mind? Uh, Mike, check. Yep, go ahead. Okay, good, awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on again. I really liked the Luca interview. That was, uh, that, was, that was really something special. Seems like a really good kid. Um, two, two questions for you. Is Kent Johnson a centerman? And then also, uh, what are your thoughts on what we can expect of what a reasonable expectation can be for Alexander Texier coming back? Uh, only playing 36 games last year. Um, what, what are your expectations for him? What are you looking for? Well, John, look, I'm going to let you talk about this with uh, Alexander yep. Texier, but I expect big things from him because he was doing big things before he got injured last year. Yes, and he had that injury, and then there was some family situation that basically stayed in France there for the remainder of the season. But then he played in the World Championship, so the Blue Jackets expect him back, obviously, in training camp. And for Texi, I think it's just going to be another big year for him to take that other step forward. He's a guy that developed really well, unfortunately, last year that that injury kind of halted everything here for Texier. So I expect him back with the team, absolutely, and he will have a somewhat of a prominent role on the, in the Blue Jackets lineup. And then uh, as far as Kent Johnson, uh, yes, the Blue Jackets drafted him as a center, but as it's tough to crack the NHL as a center early on. So last season when he came up, they put him on the wing, so he has less defensive responsibilities. And they may play him at the wing again this year. Listen, people don't understand how hard it is to be a centerman. And as we talked about in this draft, look 
It's all defensemen and centermen right now because a true center is so hard to find. And what Cole Sanger was able to do at 18 year old in the NHL last year as a true center is incredible. So for Kent Johnson, it may be this year, it may be next year, but they want to slowly put him into the pro game and learn the game, get used to speed, and then put him back in the middle. Right, or quite frankly, it could be never. It depends on what else that you get. And we're not just talking about this draft. Again, go, go back to trades, go back to free agency. If they decide that he can be a winger that drives the game from the wall instead of uh, yep. the middle of the ice, much like Artemi Panarin did in his two years that he was with the Blue Jackets, then they're okay with him and happy to do that. But you're right. I mean, they drafted him as a centerman. They keep on saying he can play the position. They may give him the opportunity to play the position. John Luke and I have talked about this a lot before. Is you and I both are, are big believers that you know to be a a puck mover or play driver in the National Hockey League, you don't have to be a center, right? You see it with so many good teams that centers happen to be those guys because you know when the guy's the best player on the ice, he's usually going to be at center, right? But there are those unique situations in the National Hockey League and. I think you and I talk about it at least once a month during the season when people start to talk about how the Blue Jackets need centermen, let's get centermen, yada, yada, yada. Look at Jake Voracek. He's a play driver for the Blue Jackets, and he plays on the wing. Bob, you brought up Artemi Panarin. He's a play driver, one of the best play drivers in the National Hockey League, and he plays on the wing. All you need when you've got a guy like that is a, a responsible centerman that can keep up with him. And, and those are easier to find than those truly elite players like you have in Kent Johnson. And all of this is, it's not to say that Kent Johnson won't get the opportunity to play center in the National Hockey League, but if it doesn't work out for him there, I'm not too worried. Again, he, he models himself after a player like Patrick Kane. Pretty darn good. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you talk about elite wingers that create more, assi uh, more assists than goals. Jonathan Ruberto is another guy that's right. just like that. There's so many of them. And Puck... Somebody that can create offense, it doesn't matter where it's from. You know, even, well, now we sit more than ever, defensemen, you know. Even like Denton Machachuk, who the Blue Jackets drafted yesterday. He's the same type of player, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, the game has changed so much. But, yes, still GM will prefer to grab a center over a left winger. Well, would they play at the NHL level? It really doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point there. What are you doing, throwing your phone at me? <laughs> I think one of the headset fell. Oh, that was a headset? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, you're right. It was. We've got Luca's headset on the yeah. floor right yeah, now. Yeah, we're, we're a mess. Uh, we, we're in a tight space, but we're here. <laughs> That's all that matters. So. Uh, let's, uh, let's get Madigan to come on and have a question here on CBJ30. Hello, Madigan. Hi. What can we expect of our newest prospects that I just don't know I share a birthday with in your report? What can we expect of Dell for the future? Oh, Luca Del, Belu Del Bell Belus. Yeah, it's uh, a guy that we talked about a little bit earlier there. Um, he's a guy that's a highly skilled player, somebody that plays a two-way game, all situations on the ice. The one knock on Luca is his skating, which has already started to improve this past season. He already made great strides. Just imagine what he can do with another offseason and another full season in the Ontario Hockey League with Mississauga. And, and we heard from him a moment ago. Sounds like a really, really nice kid, guy with great character, and somebody that's extremely excited to be a member of the Blue Jackets organization, which is the most important thing, right? Uh, you want these players to be excited to be here, and he seems really oh, thankful. Yeah. And he's, he's a guy that knew a ton about the Blue Jackets already. He knew a lot about the Blue Jackets, and so did Matichok, Matichok excuse yes. me, yesterday, as his, his younger brother is a huge Blue Jackets fan. So it's kind of funny how... 
you know, I don't, I don't know if it's part of the interview process, but the uh, Blue Jackets so far, they're making sure the, these guys will stay in Columbus for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Does that help you out, Madigan? Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for being on with us today, live from Montreal. The NHL draft concludes today. Right now we're in round three. We go uh, through seven here in Montreal. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, Matejchuk there just a moment ago, and last night we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, get one of our scouts on to talk about uh, David Yurchik and, uh, you know, give us a real breakdown on him, but we didn't have time to do that last night about Denton Matejchuk, but, 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 after uh, we were off the air last night, had a chance to catch up with Troy Dunville, who was a scout that watched him and uh, did a really great job of breaking down his game. And here's exactly what he saw and why the Blue Jackets made him a first-round selection at number 12 overall. He's a guy that I've seen over 20 times this year, and every game he plays, he impacts a game every night. Um, the skating is it, it's really impressive. Like, he'll jump into the play and not miss a beat. He'll, he won't put himself out of position. His feet are very, very good, very mobile. He's not going to win any long races, but he's he is very strong on his skates and high IQ guy, always impacting the game. So it was, it was pretty easy to fall in love with a guy like that early. He told us his dad was uh, like a rink manager and his mom was a figure skater and a power skater, so it seemed like ice wasn't uh, a problem. He could find it whenever he needed it. But, I mean, that's um, intangibles, right? Yeah, and you know what? Just to talk into the kid... He's got a brother that's playing college baseball. He's got younger brothers that are coming through that will probably get drafted in the WHL. Small town Manitoba, just heart and soul type kid. Like he was a very good interview uh, early on. He actually sees an opportunity in the second half where um, drafted player Hunt on his team went down with an injury and he just, he rose. He all of a sudden took over the team as 17 and, and took them in the playoffs so it's not easy to do at 17 in the WHL playoffs so he was he was pretty strong in the second half you see him as being that new wave defenseman rover kind of thing there I mean Kel McCarr just won every trophy there is pretty much here in the last couple of weeks uh and, and now it's like a kind of a, a new standard if you will in the league yeah and, and his vision is really like he'll see one two and three options on a breakout and, and you're going to think that he's going to go to option one but all of a sudden the puck moves to option three so he does a lot of things that it will make fans pretty excited McCarr is obviously an elite player I'd hate to put any kind of pressure like that but he is a he's going to be a fan favorite he plays hard every night he, he'll do whatever it takes to win so he's, he's going to be a fun f for the fans how much did you guys did you stress that at all I mean that that playing hard I mean you know we've talked about this throughout this year you want to get bigger in this case not that he's a, the biggest guy but playing more with the heart and more with the grit and having that be you know going back to that being more of a staple what this organization really is yeah, and you know what? That's one thing about Columbus is the identity of being a hard-to-play-against player, and that's what he does. Every night he comes, and, he, and like I said, he tries to impact the game. He wants to hit. He'll play physical. He'll do whatever it takes, and he's a good leader. He's already wearing a letter at 17, and he'll be their captain next year at 18. That is uh, Troy Dunville, Blue Jacket scout, talking about Denton Matejchuk and why he liked him, why the Blue Jackets liked him, why he was taken last night in the first round, number 12 overall, the second of the two first-round picks that the Blue Jackets made last evening. They've already made a second-round pick, and they've got a third-round pick coming up here in just a bit. But right now we're joined by Aaron Portsline, who covers the Blue Jackets for the Athletic. Is uh, is this thing going as planned, do you think? 
I mean, it's not going as expected. I, I think it's going as planned by by as uh, planned. If you're going to make every pick, right? By Yarmo okay. Kekalainen in the front office, they of course know what they're doing going into it. Um, sure, didn't see two defensemen going like that. And with the help from the league last night, I, I I mean, I wondered immediately when's the last time two defensemen have gone to the same team in the top twelve. It hasn't happened since the original six expanded. It's been 56 years. It's only happened four times ever. Uh, so really rare and interesting and fascinating, really, that they chose to go that route. They said they'd go best available player, um, and they did. They stuck to their guns. I, I, it also felt a little bit like last year. I don't know if you guys got this tone where they knew they liked Juracek. I think they were confident they could get him there. And then they got really nervous, worried about Matichuk at 12, just like Sillinger at 12 the year before. I think Matichuk's the guy they were really excited to draft. Um, and I've not heard of that sort of effusive praise for a number 12 overall pick in, in quite a while. Um, they are absolutely delighted to land both of those guys. Um, and here we are. The Vancouver Canucks just drafted the second Elias Pettersson. They have two Elias Petterson's now. That it, wow. <laughs> He's a defenseman. <laughs> so they've got Elias Pettersson, the centerman, Elias Pettersson, the defenseman. What are the odds of that? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, well, there are two Sebastian Ajos in the league, but That's at least right. they're on different teams. Right. And there's some young man with the same first name as last name, Marcel Marcel. Marcel Marcel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly in play. Yeah. <laughs> Bet Midler going to introduce him when he gets I mean, oh. Rochelle, Rochelle, Marcel Marcel. I think he's a pantomime <laughs> on the side, but I don't know that. Oh, goodness. Are, are you um, – did you think that there might be some trades the Blue Jackets would be involved in? 100%. I was just making a mental note back there. Um, has every team in the league made a trade now? Because it sure, it sure feels like that. Yeah. And the team that was speaking most about uh, making trades, uh, or at least as much as anybody, the Blue Jackets have not made one. Um, you know, there's, there's talk that they were close on a couple of veteran defensemen. Um, McDonough with Tampa Bay before he went to Nashville, and Jacob uh, Chikrun, who is apparently staying in Arizona now, that there were really close deals on both of those guys. So who knows which of those picks may have moved. Um, I don't think either of those go to in the McDonough deal, but in the, in the Chikrun deal, possible. Uh, I know he had lots of offers, but he stayed put and, and took, took players, which it was kind of a surprise to see them walk to the stage with both picks given the sort of the build-up to this. Yeah, that, you're right, because we all thought, okay, they're going to pick at six, but the 12, yeah, we, we all kind of got the impression that it might be gone. But, again, that's that's typical Yarmo, right? I mean, he's not going yeah, well, to force something that doesn't make any sense. If there's yep. not a trade there, if there's not something good there, he's just going to go and make the pick yeah. and take the best guy. And I was kind of, I don't want to, yeah, I was cussing myself on the way back to the hotel last night. Covered the guy for 10 years. I still can't read his changeup. <laughs> I still I can't read his changeup, and every year at the draft, I think I've got a pretty good read on what he's thinking. Um, and we've had conversations that would lead you to believe one thing, and you're like, okay, yeah, I got a pretty good read on this. And then the draft plays out, and you go, that's you did it again. Um, 
You're sitting on the fastball and you get the changeup. So what Aaron is saying is if Yarmo invites him to a poker game one day, oh. he's driving the opposite way. There's no way you're There ain't enough long drink in the world to sit, get me at that table. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Aaron Portslide. He covers the Blue Jackets for the Athletic. So, okay, so it's not being done with trades. There are yeah. other avenues. Well, not being done with trades right now, but there are other avenues uh, to pursue, and one of those comes up next week with free agency. Yep. Well, you know, I, I have to say this. I like what they're doing. I, yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a, a pressing need right now to. It, this is not. It still isn't about 20, 22, 23, right? I mean, this is the process that they're on. I think you got to be smart about that. Uh, McDonough would have been a nice ad, but that's still a thirty-three-year-old guy with, with four years of significant term left. So, it, it, maybe next year is the year you're more desperate for those moves when things become yet another, uh, that much clearer as to where they're going. The thing I look for today is is some of these depth forwards that aren't themselves going to bring big returns. Those guys could be moved out for draft picks. I could totally see that. The Blue Jackets don't have, if I'm correct, they don't have a fifth and a sixth or a fourth. They don't have a fourth and a fifth. Fifth and a no, sixth. They have, they fifth have, and a sixth. Okay. Yeah. I suspect they'll fill in somewhere in that, and that could be moving out a player. Too many forwards. Um, I don't think they want to go crazy in free agency. They went the, with Sean Corrali last year. I could see a measured, smart move like that. I don't think they're going to build this team through free agency. But it may be their last resort if they feel they need to fix the blue line uh, this year for the short term. Which is uh, extremely interesting. And I was just thinking about that, too. You're sitting here saying too many forwards, too many forwards. Three or four years from now, we might be saying too many defensemen, too many defensemen, because because of what started in this draft, yeah, right? Hundred yeah. percent. And uh, I was talking about not being able to read Yarma's fastball. He was defensive about his his defensive depth in the weeks leading up to the draft. And I look back now, and I'm like, oh, really? Um, but he would say, I don't feel like I need to draft a defenseman. I've got this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy, that guy, and then he goes and takes two. Um, but you know, it, it's the draft. You take the best players. You let. Are, are, I like Svalzel. I like Kanapko. Are these guys, if these guys were going to be immediate impact NHL players, they'd probably be pushing for that right now. I think they can be NHL players for sure. Um, but, yeah, they drafted Kuhlemans in the first last year. He's got another year at least at Wisconsin. These guys are going to be a couple years away probably, at least one year away for year check. So they didn't fix the 2020, uh, the 22-23 roster with their moves at the draft but I don't think most teams go into the draft thinking that. Yeah, and and they're still they're playing the patient game. They right? To. They're playing the patient restart, not rebuild whatever. Yeah. But um, we were talking about this earlier. I'd like to have your opinion on this. At what point in time in the Metropolitan Division do the Pittsburghs and the Washingtons Boston, yeah. start to age out and open the door for Listen, Jean-Luc brought up the Devils. He talked a lot about the Devils. I know you look at their roster. They look, I, The New Jersey Devils, I'm a doubting Thomas. Until they finally do it, I'm not yeah. going to believe they're ever going to be good. I, why, I don't know. Probably because I've just never liked them in my whole life. But anyway, um, but, but the, when, when is this going to happen? When, uh, when does the old move aside and the new move in, do you think? Well, I think it's starting. I think you saw signs of it last year. I think for those teams, you look, the first signs you see are the playoffs, and they're not making the runs that they made before. Um, they're still proud teams. I think they still make the playoffs. But they're at the top of the hill going over the edge. I was floored by the six years for Latang, Like, absolutely floored by the term, not the money. 
Um, I think Jersey, to John Luke's point, is at some point they're going to figure it out. There's too much talent there. The Rangers now are a different team, having gone through what they went through in the playoffs this year. Um, that's a formidable team. Where's Carolina going? I think they want to make some changes. Have they peaked at where they're at? That's still a tough team. A that that is a great question, have they peaked? I've wondered yeah. that, too. I mean, they've been great the last couple of years, yeah. but that window, it, it's about a three- or four-year span it window. It is, and they've, they've gone at it the way they've gone at it, which has been interesting. Depth, 12 forwards that, that can all fly, but they don't have that one guy, maybe Ajo. They don't have that one guy you, that everybody steps behind. Um, like they do in Which I think in really showed in this year's playoffs. 100%. Who steps forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's been a hell of a run by them. But where are they going? Um, and I think you look at the Blue Jackets as a team that's that's probably – they hope to be knocking on the door playoff-wise this year, but definitely on an upward trajectory. And how, how this internal growth happens, how well these guys improve within themselves is going to determine how far they go. And it's going to be a hard job for Brad Larson and the coaching staff really to get these guys going again this year because the expectations were quite low this season. Yes. And we can all agree that they kind of overachieve as far as, you know, the public perception. But now the expectations are raised. How challenging do you think it's going to be for the team and management to keep up with those expectations? Yeah, well, it'll be, it'll be new for them for sure, I think, for a lot of these guys. But, you know, there's still some guys around Jenner, Nyquist, um, Bjorkstrand, guys who have been been through this before, so it's not that big of a challenge. The, the, one, the guy I worry about, or wonder about anyways, is, is Elvis Merzlikens. He's got to be better. They need more consistent play in net. Um, Corpusalo appears to be his backup. That, that's a question mark on the roster for me if Merzlikens doesn't play better than he did last year. And there are times where he's fantastic, but on the whole, not consistent enough, and it's now, I feel like he's now, all of the getting used to North America and being a young guy and all of that stuff now is gone. And it's time for him to play a 55, 60 game schedule and be one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, which is what he thinks he is. I absolutely agree with you on that. And the one thing that, as you were saying that, the, the one question I had in my mind is, uh, yes, he needs to be better. There's no doubt about that. But this is also a team that kind of shifted from that John Tortorella 100%. shot blocking, pack yes. it in in front of, goal, of the goalie to more of a, a bit of a wide open. I mean, right. yes, Brad Larson wants to play tight defense, but he's also giving them the free reign to kind of open it up a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, it was a different conversation about the goaltending last year. You're, you're saying, you know, Elvis has to stop at least a couple of those breakaways. And under Tortorella, there just weren't three or four breakaways a game. <laughs> right. uh, it was a different team to play for. Also, their defense is so light. I mean, we saw Peak move up. Probably, bless him, he was incredible last year, given what you expected out of him. To play on a top pair for most of the season was really a, a pretty impressive accomplishment. Not a long-term fix, I don't think anybody thinks. No, but they, I think he's going to be such a better yes, second or third pair guy because of that experience I that totally he got this agree. past year. And that's what last year was about, Yeah. right? And forget all the close to 500 records. That's what it was about. Can Cole Sillinger play a top six center role. Uh, but who's on the right side of Wierenski? Peak stepped forward and got some great experience. Um, but they're light back there, and I think uh, you can tell by some of the trades that they've almost made what they want to do. They've got to get – they have to improve. Jake Bean, I'm not sure where he fits. Bokefist is a scorer, so you make room for that. 
guy on the left side somewhere, but who plays on the right side high in the lineup is the question mark. Love Blankenberg, not a top pair right side guy. Who's the top pair right side guy? There's right now not an answer for that. Hey, we're just talking about uh, Elvis, about how big of a step he's, it's going to be for him this season, uh, you know, a full regular season hopefully here. Do you feel like what they did at the end of the year, and it was kind of funny toward the end of the year when he was playing game after game after yeah. game, and Brad Larson basically said, until he breaks, he's going back right. in. We're going to keep it. Do you think that was a great learning experience for him to understand just to simplify his game a little bit more? Yeah. Well, I just from talking to goaltenders and people who have been through that, yes, it, it's you have to go through it. And just like Peak and just like Sillinger we were talking about a second ago, that's what last year was. It would have been a waste to go through that year and not do that, in my opinion. Even if it, and, and Elvis's numbers got better during that stretch. Like even though he was tired, I think he played some of his better hockey in the last six weeks of the season. Because he couldn't be as jumpy because he was tired. He was tired. He played a more simple game. Yeah. The the more right. fatigue that he no, got, I thought. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about yeah. that earlier. It's one of these things where. Uh, you know, it's his personality, and he, he's very athletic, obviously, yes. but as a goaltender, you have to understand you're going to age, and if you want to have a long career, when you look at all these Hall of Famers, most of them, it seems yeah. like everything hits them in the chest all the time. Yes. And as the season yeah. went on, positionally, that's exactly what Elvis was yeah. doing better than earlier. Which is which is what you want to see. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Who knows what this team looks like in goal in a couple of years, but that big Tarasov coming up. And he's going to be the, the guy in Cleveland and should be the guy in Cleveland. Uh, he's going to play a ton of games in Cleveland. Um, but they know more about Elvis now than they did a year ago. That's, that's awesome. That's what last year was. Yeah. Porter, you just... Oh, more sorry. importantly, I think Elvis knows more about himself now than he did a year ago as yeah, well. So right. that, that's going to be big for his growth. Porter, you just talked about Cole Sillinger a little bit. And I, I want to ask you what you think kind of the vibe and feeling in the organization is surrounding Cole Sillinger. Because the way that Yarmo Kekalainen has talked about him the past couple of days here at the draft, it's like you can't get enough of him. Yeah. Obviously, they think highly of Cole Sillinger. But after last season, are they thinking even higher of him now? I think they see him as a pillar of the organization, as a a guy that sounds crazy as a 19-year-old, but already almost part of the leadership group. Yeah. Um, and you know what? If you go about it this way that they're going, this restart, um, they, they figured out they, it's hard to make trades for veteran players and keep them around. The easier way is to draft a guy, take incredible care of the guy, um, treat him well, let that player know that they're appreciated, foster him in the system. That's why they kept the Jenners around. They didn't bring it down to the wood. And they want Cole Sillinger, to, I think, to be the, the big pillar of this team, and I think he will be for a long time. There's a connection to the city. His dad played here. His dad played a lot of places, but his dad played here. <laughs> um, he was born here. Um, I think he appreciates it here, and that, that pick, that, I still think last year's draft, that first, it was just a, an incredible night for the franchise to pull off the Seth Jones trade, uh, to land Johnson at five, and to sit there with their fingers crossed, tapping their toes, sweating bullets at the draft table, worried that Sillinger was going to go off the board, and having him fall to them at 12. Uh, things just haven't fallen into place like that for the Blue Jackets at the draft in years past. 
And that night a year ago felt magical almost because they just haven't had nights like that. You got to think if Cole Sillinger, if you were to do a redraft of last year's draft already, I know hardly any of these guys have played in the NHL. He's going way higher than where yeah. he went. Yeah, 100%. And some of the stuff we, you spend so much time, like, like, I mean, Shane Wright, that kid has been the number one overall in this draft for three years now. And we spent the last two years picking him apart and overanalyzing him, overthinking. Seattle got a great player at four. It's incredible. And all people did with Sillinger is someone mentioned his skating stride is an issue, and then that everyone jumped on the skating, and that's an issue. And is, is he going to play in the NHL because of his skating? And I think the Blue Jackets were wise enough to to note it, the skating. It's it's not a it's not a a, met, a Matejchuk stride. It's not that perfectly beautiful fluid stride, but the kid gets where he needs to go. And he's driven to get there, which is almost more important than the stride itself. Kid had 16 goals. He could have had over 20. Yes. He had some really good shots that got stopped. That like there were, Did. there were, I can easily think of four or five. And yeah. I was like, I can't believe that didn't go in the net. Yep. And, and he passed on about five empty nets. <laughs> yeah, remember that over the Corali. Yep. and the Corali. Unbelievable. And Corali. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and th th that's the kind of stuff. I, that kid just even at the draft last year, just talking to him afterward. He just walked away going, whoa, like this kid. I mean, I don't know that I've ever been that together, and this kid's got it that together at 18 years old. It's just so it, – nothing seems too big for him, uh, the, even the first time he goes through it, which is – those, those guys just internally – or eternally impress me. Were the Blue Jackets in on the Kirby Doc thing? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I'm sure there were conversations there. I'm sure Chicago would have <laughs> – Love to have that number six back. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Columbus was going there. Uh, and I actually think they are okay with their center depth. I think there's questions there for sure. But I think in those questions, I think they think are answers or potential answers. We haven't seen Kent Johnson play center ice yet. Um, I don't think you wait three years for that to happen necessarily. But they like Jenner I think in the middle. You, I, I think you see – I don't know this, but if you're going to try it, why not – Early exhibition games. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. Remember yeah. that? Yes. Early that season. Yeah. Um, but I think with Jenner, Sillinger, Corrali down the middle, Roslovic down the middle, I, I think they feel like they're they're set. They're okay down the middle. They're, they're competitive. But we still agree that you'll know they're set when Boone Jenner's playing wing again. 100%. Right? And the Roslovic took incredible strides yes. last year in the second half. But just look at how this game is played in the playoffs, and is he checking Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs? Those are the questions they want to have answers to eventually. Uh, is he checking, you know, Stamkos? Can he hang at that level defensively, or is he a liability? Nothing against him. If he is, very few people can. Um, but that's where they're trying to get to. Not just good enough, but really, really good. Well, with that in mind, for people interested in the prospect the Blue Jackets just drafted, Luca Del Bell Blues, I was doing a little reading about him, and he had the responsibility of checking Shane Wright a lot this season. So that's the type of player he yeah. is, and, and he did well against Shane Wright yeah. this season. So a good two-way centerman could potentially fit in with the Blue Jackets down the road there as well. Yeah, and I love these guys. You, you bank them in Mississauga, which should have a really good team next year, really good team close by, you keep an eye on him. He's probably, I think he and Matejchuk have to be two more years in junior. They can't go to the American Hockey League. It's either NHL or junior for them. Perfectly fine. What do you think happens with Juracek? 
Oh, well, that's a good question. The sense right now is that he goes back to check for a year. Uh, he can play in the American Hockey League. Uh, I think he, they think he's in a good situation there in Pilsen. Uh, they've got a scout, uh, Milan Tici, who lives in Pilsen. I'd love to go to Pilsen sometime, <laughs> by the way. Uh, home of Pilsner beer. Um, yeah, and, and so it's, I think they've got two good options with him. I don't think he's an NHL guy this year. He's got to put on a ton of weight, a ton of strength, but he, he projects to be like a 6'4", a 220 defenseman who likes to throw his body around. Hey, we were talking about uh, the trade last year with the Chicago Blackhawks sending Seth Jones there. Yeah. What did you think of the stuff yesterday where the Blackhawks may be saying they want to move Seth Jones out of there? Well, what I thought of it when they started moving to Brinkett, and you hear some of the other things they were talking about is, what is Seth Jones thinking right now? And how fast things can change in a year. Because he obviously went there thinking Chicago had a chance to win. Uh, great city. You know, he wants to live. He wanted to live in a major city. Fine. But I think he thought he had a chance to win there as well. Boy, things have turned around there. Interesting to note that if Columbus had Chicago's pick next year, they wouldn't be doing all this because they'd be scared to death of losing the number one overall. They're going for the for the, the uh, Connor Bedard pick next year already. You can see it. Does Seth Jones want to be part of that? Uh, I wouldn't think so. Uh, his mom had a few things to say on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> his mom often has a few things to say on Twitter. Um, things have really changed there. Uh, yeah, it, so I, that's a great trade for Columbus. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks better today. I'm interested to see who Chicago takes at 173 because that closes the trade out. It's now would be official because Columbus got year check for as part of that too. Year check, Sillinger, Bogfist, essentially Jake Bean right, for Seth Jones. Right. Amazing. Yeah. I'm amazing. As you look at this, and, you know, we're joking yesterday, if you're Chicago and you see a 614 number coming on your on your caller ID, do you even answer anymore after all these trades from Yarmo with yeah. Chicago? No is the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I was thinking if anybody would overvalue that number six pick, that's Chicago. Like, they would love just desperately to get some of that draft back, that trade back, sorry. All right, the Blue Jackets are uh, back on the clock here in the third round to make pick number 96 overall. Here we go. All right, Dylan, what do you got? Yeah, so Jordan Dumay is a guy that has a ton of hockey sense. He's a playmaker, a little bit more of a perimeter guy. The one knock on Jordan Dumay, he'd, he'd have gone way higher in this draft, but he's extremely small, five foot eight, 165 pounds. Uh, like I said, a, a bit of a perimeter player, but a guy who has a ton of hockey sense. He finished third in the QMJHL in scoring this season, led the Halifax Mooseheads. He had absolutely fantastic numbers, Jordan Dumais did. You look at him this year, in 68 games, he scored 39 goals, had 70 assists for 109 points, had two goals, four assists across five playoff games with Halifax. You know, this is a player that uh, you could think of him similar to a, a former Blue Jackets prospect in Vitaly Abramov. The Blue Jackets were high on him, didn't quite work out. They ended up trading him to Ottawa as part of that Matt Duchesne deal. But it's a similar mold, similar type of guy. Um, certainly a lot of interest here in Jordan Dumais. And if, if he's able to work out, it's another one of these highly skilled play drivers that we talked about before. 
Kent Johnson, whether he plays center or wing, he's going to be a play driver for the Blue Jackets. Jordan Dumay, he's a winger, right shot, but uh, certainly a guy that can drive play. What do you think about that one, Aaron? Yeah, I'm curious to so I always turn to my guys, uh, Corey Promen and, and Scott Wheeler, about these guys because they watch them play a ton. Um, and I don't know anything about Jordan Dumay. I like the numbers that Dylan just rattled off. Sounds impressive. Um, Obviously, a guy that's a, quite a few years away from the NHL size-wise, but this is that point of the draft where you're taking you're taking a, a flyer on some guys who have incredible skill and maybe some things that, that are not ideal uh, to work around. But interesting pick. I like when John Luke dives into the computer. That's why I know. That's why I know that you're really working. Oh, <laughs> you know what site he's on. Being a Quebec League guy myself, it's kind of nice to see another Frenchman being part of the organization. I so. didn't see. Oh, I see Jordan Dumay at the table now. I assume we're going to get him then. Yeah, I, I figured he'd so, have yeah. to be here yeah. given we're in Montreal of yeah, all places and hope. he's in the queue. He lives, he lives 12 minutes away. Of yeah. Course he's here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Porty, uh, development camp at the Children North next week right. uh, because of the renovations at That's Nationwide right. Arena. So that'll be a little Jeez. bit different. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And and uh, real, first one in a few years, correct? Yeah. Like, it's been yeah. hard to get together. Uh, Three-on-three tournament Wednesday should be a hoot. Um, you're, uh, so far, all the guys that they've drafted are going to be there. Uh, and, and also, Kirill Marchenko was planning yeah. to be there. Our first sort of sight of him on ice, which would be really neat to see, especially given the situation in Russia right now. Right, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming and chatting with us today. We appreciate well, it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Good times. All right, Aaron Portsline, he covers the Blue Jackets for the Athletic. As the Blue Jackets uh, continue on here in the NHL Draft Day 2, just taking Jordan Dumay in round number three. We are now moving on to round number four here this afternoon. I keep thinking today is Saturday because in the past, the first round was Friday night and the second day was Saturday, but... So I'm very pleased today's only Friday. How's that? Yeah, I love it. It does feel like a Sunday. Well, actually, yeah, Saturday. Really. <laughs> it's just yesterday. You look at right now we're already in the fourth round. Yeah. But I think there was probably about ten selections made yesterday just in the first round eight. in that same amount of time. It was, <laughs> it's kind of crazy how much faster. Well, yesterday was made for TV. Today is let's just get the business, right? Right, right, right. Another comparable people are talking about for Jordan Dumay is uh, Braden Point. A lot of the same knocks on him when Braden Point was drafted. Smaller player, not the best feet, but absolutely electric with the puck. So, give you an idea of what the Blue Jackets drafted there. I know a lot of people were fans of Jordan Dumay and expected him to go earlier in this draft. So, it's good to see people like this Blue Jackets pick as well. It seems like pick after pick, people are all over the, what the Blue Jackets are doing. Well, uh, that's good. And, and from their standpoint, if you're uh, if a guy's projected to go higher and he happens to be there and you can pluck him when your pick comes along, then uh, good for you. I'm sure they're very pleased down there. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the Blue Jackets had to be, if this is the guy that they really had high on their boards and wanted, they had to be sweating for the entirety of that third round right there because, remember, the Blue Jackets had the second-to-last pick in the third round. So they had to stay patient right there, but they got the guy they wanted. So... Credit to Yarmo Kekalainen and staff for uh, staying patient and getting the guy they wanted right there. They'll be picking earlier here in the fourth round. They are going to be taking the 109th pick overall. They've already made 100 picks here. Uh, pick number 101 is about to be made by the Carolina Hurricanes. So, uh, again, we're going to get a – we'll have another uh, 
prospect for the Blue Jackets coming up here in just a couple of minutes uh, to add to the two that have already been put on the board for total here in the first couple of days at the NHL draft. As we were just talking about a moment ago, the development camp taking place at Chiller North next week. And the Blue Jackets uh, prospects will be on the ice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, next week. A little get-together. and John, they didn't have that kind of stuff when you first came in the league, did they? The, well, the development camp, they do things outside of it now. They'll have a cooking class. They'll try to teach right. them how to eat healthy. Yep. Uh, they're going to have a, a get-together, you know, social gathering, which will be great for those guys. Um just to kind of, you know, as you are talking about earlier, or, or Aaron was talking about earlier, you know, bring them in, treat them right, you know, make them feel good from the very first time they step foot in Columbus. And, and that's what's going to happen for a lot of these guys next week. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like a, a quick, uh, yeah, basically a, a quick week for these guys, not only to, like, know the city, see the arena for the first time, meet some of the fans. Uh, that started a long time ago, but it was a different process. Actually, when I was drafted in 95, we did the same thing in Buffalo. But ours was literally six weeks long. So it was wow. a long development camp where they took all the prospects. We got to know each other, got to know all the veterans that stayed in town in Buffalo and worked out with them. So it was kind of nice because you had that supervision from the team trainer to lead all the workouts, skates, etc. So, but now they're doing it obviously a little quicker as the game is more specialized and everybody has their own trainer. But I think it's great for the young guys to understand the city and where you're going to play because you know the draft is here is Montreal and if if you go to training camp and you don't know anything and training camp is starting, it's hard really to get your bearings, get the nerves, etc. Now these guys get to meet Elvis and Sean Corral and Jack Roslovic next week as they're rolling into town. Yeah, it was making me think when you were talking about that, it used to be six weeks and now it's three days. Yeah. Uh, you know, John Tortorella always, and even to this day, I heard an interview he did after he got hired by Philly, and he was like, you know, you used to be able to do some things that now you can't do because yeah. of the collective bargaining agreement. And you can't. Yeah. Could you imagine now if you said, hey, you got to come in for six weeks? Yeah. No. Well, no. The, this, let me say, the six weeks was, was optional, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. But you know what? If you're driven yeah. and you, you don't know any better, of course they're going to show up. And we saw Marty Biron walking around if yesterday. If you don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> Marty Biron and I went for the six week every single year, and it was a great time because, again, you get to know the players, the coaching staff. So when you come to training camp, it's like you're already part of the team, yeah. not just a rookie coming in. Right, absolutely. That that To me, that would be the uh, – the biggest caveat to go do that, right? No, absolutely. Don't, don't want to come in as a stranger, especially with some of those older guys that are there. Got any uh, got any guesses on this one, Dylan? I have absolutely no clue where the Blue Jackets might go with this pick right here. I'll have a lot to know, I'll have a lot to say about the player once they pick him, though. I can <laughs> but tell this you that. Is, but again, now we're we're in that gray area now, right? I mean, this is as Aaron was just saying. Here's where you take some chances on some guys, and uh, or if you get those players that have fallen through the cracks, this is where you start picking up those types of guys right here. Yeah, yeah. As we're talking about the Jordan Demay, one of the cool thing here is like, so his junior team where he played and ha was in Halifax, and you know whose jersey number is retired, Jody. There, right? Our own Jody Shelley. So now we got two Halifax Moosehead alumni. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Jody will find him next week. Oh, no doubt about that. No <laughs> doubt about that. It, Jordan was on that team and on the ice the night that Jody got his 
jersey retired a couple of years ago now, was it? I'm sure Dume was there, right? No, Dume was his first year was just last oh, season. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, yeah. Well, I'm sure he saw the jersey. Yeah, he knows the history. Uh, of Jody will remind him. <laughs> <laughs> See that thing up there? Oh yeah. <laughs> so was it hot? Was it hanging by McKinnon's? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness uh having fun here in montreal at the draft at the bell center uh blue jackets have made two picks today they're about to make another pick here there's uh there's only what two picks remaining before the blue jackets pick at number uh 109 overall as we work in the fourth round of the national hockey league draft here today well, Jeff Sabota, go ahead, read that. Yeah, Jeff Sabota just tweeting out a couple of more Halifax Moosehead alums that are also Blue Jackets. Pascal LeClaire, Jake Voracek, in addition to Jody. That's right. So, Jake Voracek playing there as well, and another guy who's got all that skill playing from the wing. So, maybe Jordan Dumay and uh, Jake Voracek can meet each other and, and get to go in there, a little skill work together. We were just talking about Pascal LeClaire yesterday That's at lunch. Right. Yep. He's a legend, legendary goaltender with the Blue Jackets that is now a legendary beer league defenseman who likes to sauce everything. <laughs> and that's coming from one of his teammates. And Pascal did tell us at the, the, at the Rick Nash uh, jersey retirement ceremony how, you know, it's kind of fun to hear that you're talking to a pro athlete that, you know, you're like, you're done and you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to relax now. His whole day. On Thursdays, when he goes and skate, he prepares, he leaves two hours before, stops for his coffee, he's got his routine to go play beer league hockey. You gotta love it. <laughs> Passionate about the sport. By the way, Luke Cunnan traded by the Nashville Predators to uh, San Jose a little bit earlier as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. San Jose taking a pick right now, and then the Blue Jackets are up next. So we're already at the Blue Jackets fourth round selection. Get another prospect here coming up. Well, San Jose has just made their pick at uh, 108. You know, this is one of the things that when you watch this, when you watch it on TV and they show the families, it's always special. But it's really, really cool to be here in the building because you get the you get the full thing. You don't just get the tight shot of mom and dad uh, hugging the sun. Uh, you get to see the whole group that jumps up, leaps out of their seats when the uh, the picks are made. And the Blue Jackets are making their pick right now. Blue Jackets selecting a Russian, Kirill Volchenkov, I believe. Get you some information Kirill on Volchenkov. Hits the board for the Blue Jackets. Fourth round pick, number 109 overall. So make him the fifth player taken by the Blue Jackets. And, and John, look, there's a lot of talk about Russian players in this draft. Um, you know, if it was just with the the politics in the world, is this going to be a problem or are the Russian players going to get looked at differently or teams going to be a little bit... Uh, Leary on taking Russian players. Blue Jackets answer that question by taking one here in the fourth round. Yes, and in media availability a couple of days ago, uh, one of the reporters asked uh, Yarmo Kekalainen about that, and Yarmo said, absolutely not. We're not going to base our decision based on the nationality. Uh, his board is the hockey player first. So, yes, I think uh, we got to keep sports and polit politics, you know, completely separated and you have to go with the best talent and character player off course. Yeah, absolutely. And look, th they are factors like in this case. I mean, there there are there are things that are going to happen, but 
fact of the matter, time marches on and, and things change overall. So, you know, you make the pick, you get the guys that you want to. We're not necessarily talking about guys that are being picked right now that are going to come and play in September in the National exactly. Hockey League, right? We're talking about a couple of years out, so you're able to do that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, about uh, Dolchenkov, I'm not sure exactly uh, where he played last season, but if he's in the KHL, most likely he will stay in the KHL for right. at least two, three, four, maybe five years. I mean, we look at Gavrikov, who came over, and you know he played probably five years of pro hockey in the KHL before coming over. So you never know. We'll see what happens. Or Karel Marchenko. I mean, you know, he was kind of one of these guys. That, well, I can't wait to see him and see that he actually exists because we've talked about him for about four years now. What do you got, Dylan? Yeah, so the Blue Jackets just drafted a unicorn. Kirill Dolchenkov is six foot six, two hundred forty pounds, and he's eighteen years old. Plays on the wing in Russia right now. Had a pretty good season in the MHL. Twenty eight points in thirty three games, fourteen goals, fourteen assists, thirty five penalty minutes. But the size is everything right there. And you know, this is a guy that a lot of uh, a lot of difference in opinion on where he might go. Bob McKenzie had him rated as the 77th best player in this draft. NHL Central Scouting had him ranked 22 out of European skaters. So, I mean, the Blue Jackets may be getting some value here at 109th overall, but certainly a guy that he's massive. Six foot six, 240 pounds, and he's 18. 240 pounds. Yeah. That's Ivan Drago. <laughs> <laughs> well, people talked about the I Blue Jackets needing to add size. So, <laughs> Which is funny. So they take a guy that's 5'8", and then they turn around and take this guy with the, like a couple six minutes six, later, yeah. right? Yes. Because I was thinking that when they took Jordan Dumay, I was thinking, well, I know they talked about going for size, but again, it's the best player available, and they, they liked his skill. And then, you know, so that shuts me up right there, right? Yeah. We're back to size yeah, in round back four. Back to size, absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Six, six, two, forty. I wish he was coming to development camp just to see him. Seriously. Yeah, I know. I mean, we looked at uh, Yuri Slavkovsky the other day. He ended up going first overall to the Montreal Canadiens last night, and we saw him on Wednesday. And uh, in person, I was like, "This, this child is huge." And I mean, yeah. he's he's a child. He's a 17, 18 year old man, but my goodness, the, the the body size is quite manly. Yeah, just a large human being, and uh, you know, his maturity level. I really loved him in the interview as well. He seems to be a very relaxed guy, and you could see yesterday when he was interacting with the fans coming up there, it was quite the reception for him, so good job by Montreal, but some of these guys, yes, we talk about development and projection. You can always put on weight, but at 18, to already be 6'4", 240 is quite impressive. I think Ryan six, Day six, might two. Ryan Day might want to get this guy a tight end for Ohio State. Well, let's keep Ryan Day away from this here for a little bit. <laughs> Ohio State's already recruiting one Finn. We've the Blue Jackets have had him in offensive lineman, but uh, yeah, some more uh, <laughs> some more potential How, targets say, there. What did you say his uh, his height was? Six, six foot six. six. Okay, yeah, I was just looking at Chris Peters, who you talked to last week, right? Yeah. Um, he's put out a tweet saying that Columbus Nabs is one of the more intriguing players in this draft. I didn't rank him, but listed uh, Kirill Dolchenkov as one of the intriguing late rounders I was watching. He's six foot six, and he absolutely wires pucks. Watching him against under 20-year-old players was legit comical. I like that. <laughs> right? Sounds good. Yeah, the Blue Jackets go with Jordan Dumay, 5'8", 165, and then follow up with Dolchenkov, 6'6", 240. Eh, 
75 pounds. I mean, essentially, that's two of Jordan Dumais put together. (laughs) (laughs) So you just, so they got one complete player, right? (laughs) Can't wait to see. uh, Well, they've got an entire, you know, group of three right there. They've got two wings and a center and two guys right there, There size-wise. I'm just picturing uh, Dolchenkov and uh, uh, Blankenberg in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> during training camp in a couple of years. That should be a funny sight for sure. That would uh, <laughs> that would definitely be uh, a funny sight when it comes to that. So the Blue Jackets picking in this fourth round. Uh, remember, they had two fourth-round picks, but they dealt one to the Nashville Predators last week in order to get uh, Matthew Olivier, uh, who is uh, toughness, a grinder-type guy. Uh, they got him. Uh, with that other fourth-round pick that they had, which was – was that the Toronto pick that they got, the you, Felino pick? Yes, that yeah. was the Nick Felino pick, yes. So so now they have uh, – the Blue Jackets have gone through four rounds, and this is where it stalls, right? Yeah, I guess so. Blue Jackets don't have anything on the board right now until the seventh round. Obviously, that could change. We talked about this glut of wingers the Columbus Blue Jackets have, so maybe we see a player or two shipped out for some picks, and, you know, you – Get more going in the prospect base, but certainly a lot the Blue Jackets can do here. Well, we've uh, we've totally taken you into your Friday lunch hour here. But uh, if you're with us on Twitter Spaces, you have any questions as to what's gone on so far here, uh, Jordan Dumay, I would expect that we're going to get him, and uh, we'll get a chance to talk with him after he's done doing his regular media tour here at the Bell Center in Montreal. So if there's anything on your mind, all you have to do is request to be a speaker here on Twitter Spaces for this live CBJ in 30. And we'll bring you on. You can ask your question, and uh, we will move on from there. So it's uh, again, it's it's a lot of fun. The first round is fun because of the pomp and circumstance of it, but you know it's really the second day as we were just talking about. This is where the nuts and bolts uh, really are just right out there. And teams are making trades. You know they're trading two picks for one pick so they can move up in the order. This has been going on here all morning. Teams making minor deals so they can try to get some of the players that they absolutely want to have in their organization. So uh, a lot of work being done on the floor. We, we talked yesterday about the this is where the scouts really get to shine. Um, to me, this is the day where the scouts really get to shine. Yeah, those first-round picks, you, they, they get a lot of the glitz and the glamour. But, look, these guys didn't travel all over the world and put together these lists just to take first-round players. I mean, this, this has got to be a, a complete effort. And this is where they're really digging in here today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that uh, Yarmouk have to line in obviously giving his background as a scout he puts a lot of value on that part and yes these guys they're not in fancy arenas staying in fancy hotels they're driving on the back road of manitoba alberta etc and obviously in russia all of the you know when they're in the fancy hotel staying in the fancy hotel this week this weekend right absolutely i think there are two times when they come to the nhl city or, or they go on the road to meet when they have their scouting meetings and when they come here to the draft, you know, other than that, you're right. It's it's hardcore living for these guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, they, they travel on their own. Some of them, they bunch up. You know, scouts from different teams that are buddies sometimes will carpool so that they can, because they're all going to see the same guys anyway, yeah. right? So, um, but they are, they're, oh, man, it's, yeah. you know, and, that, and, and that, that's why it's so nice. We were able to talk to a couple of them last night, too, because they don't, they never get into the spotlight. They don't want in the spotlight, right. but they never get in the spotlight, and uh, and they deserve it because if it's not for those guys doing that kind of work, 
then guess what? We have nobody to talk about when training camp comes in September. Absolutely, and we talked about we talked to Milan, who was uh, you know obviously uh, a big influence in the first round pick for the Blue Jackets yesterday. But he was telling you know I asked him I said how many games a year do you watch? And he said probably around 160 to 180 games where he goes and watch prospects. 160 games a year that he's watching and has to write full reports. That's a lot of work, but you really never get your moment beside the draft weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even like uh, when it comes to the pro scouts that I would meet in the American Hockey League when I worked there, and then they're, you see them again in the National Hockey League, like they thrive on the days when somebody's playing an afternoon game close enough to somebody else playing a night game, right? So if the Sabres happen to be playing at 1 o'clock, and the Rochester Americans are playing at seven. That's a beautiful day for them. Two birds, one stone. They kill them, they knock them off, and they get all their reports done. So, that, that, yeah, these guys never get a lack of hockey. Talking about Milan, there is walking across. Yeah, well, he can walk around now. He had the first That's overall right. guy for the Blue Jackets, <laughs> right? I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's the star here <laughs> in this one. How, how would I do that? We have Okay, so I have a, a speaker request here on Twitter. But there's absolutely no Twitter handle. Just a bunch of stars. Oh, here, Ariba. Ariba, welcome to CBJ and 30, the live edition from Montreal. Just need you to unmute and you can ask us your question if you would like. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. There you are. How are you? Um, I think we're going to I think we might have to drop her here. I, we can't yeah. hear you very well. Yeah, sorry. Bad connection on that one, so we're sorry about that. Maybe if we get a better signal, you can try again there. If you would like to uh, be on the show here, all you got to do is request to be a speaker here on Twitter Spaces, and uh, we will gladly bring you on. And I've been told we're going to get Jordan Dumay shortly here right now. He's oh, meeting yeah. with the other media, and then he's going to come join us. So I think we can get Jordan Dumay on. See how then. we've fallen? Like last night, we we were first and foremost. Yes. But today, we're, we'll get to you when we get to you, you know? That's the second day, Sean Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But that's oh, uh, that's absolutely – oh, look at that. See, I chirp Todd Schrock, our <laughs> VP of Communications, and Jordan Dumay is here right now. So as soon as I get – as soon as I uh, – Start teasing, then we get the job done. Yeah, just put those on, Jordan. Can you hear us all right? Yeah. All right, perfect. Jordan Dumay is uh, joining us right now. And take this. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Congratulations. Thank I, you. I'll tell you what, it, it was very noticeable when your name was called that you had a lot of people up there because that was quite the cheer. How many people do you have up there today? Uh, I think I had a dozen. Uh, a bunch of my family was here, obviously. I'm, I mean, I'm from here, so, I mean, uh, it was a great feeling. Yeah, that had to be a great feeling. It's more special for you because it happened here. We were drafted here in this building. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, your hometown. I mean, uh, people know you. You have more family. So, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it's all it's fun. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a great thing I was in Montreal. So. Were you nervous up there? Do you sit there and wonder how long do I have to wait? When's it going to come? When, when's my name get called? No, if I'm being honest, no. I mean, I'm not the guy to stress. I mean, I know I was going to get drafted uh, around that spot. So, I mean, I was just waiting for what team was going to draft me. Did you have any clue it would be the Blue Jackets? And if so, what do you know about the Blue Jackets? Obviously, there's some Halifax Moosehead connections there. Jody Shelley playing in Halifax, Jake Voracek, Pascal LeClaire. So did you know it was going to be the Blue Jackets? And uh, if so, what do you know about the organization? Um, no, not too much. I mean, I talked to them before the draft and all that, but um, I, I had no clue it was uh, 
It was a surprise for me, and uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the organization. I mean, it's a young organization, and uh, like you said, a bunch of Moose has played there, so um, yeah, I'm really grateful to be a Jacket. So, where do you think you fit in? Tell us about yourself as a player. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm an offensive guy, and uh, yeah, like I said, you guys are young guys. You guys have a bunch of drafted prospects that are uh, talented and really good. So, I mean, yeah, I think I fit right in there. Jordan, uh, obviously being from Montreal, how special is this for you and your family to be here and have the draft in Montreal in your hometown? Yeah, it's extremely special. I mean, uh, you have a bunch of family here. They're all with me. And, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, it's, it's good for me. I mean, I'm happy, but I'm for them too. I mean, they've been uh, driving me everywhere my whole life, uh, supporting me along the whole way. So, I mean, it's just as important to them. So I take young Jordan about 10 years ago, and you've probably seen tons of game here in Montreal yeah. watching the Canadians. Uh, like, did you ever imagine that, you, you know, your draft here would be here in this building and you would be part of it? No, I mean, I never imagined it like that. I mean, there was a one out of 32 chance that it's here, and uh, my draft year ended up here. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great feeling. It's unbelievable. This building is so special, too, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like, it, it was a shame because we came here this year, and the first time there were zero fans. The second time there were only 500 fans, and they were all tucked in the, uh, in the suites here. We couldn't even see them. But this is some kind of a special place, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, all the fans here, I mean, there are – they're also, they're also supportive to the Habs, and, and uh, I mean, obviously the Quebec guys too like me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they've done a really great job in the stands today, uh, cheering for a bunch of guys, and, uh, yeah, they make it more fun, so. Is it, is it fair to say, and you can answer this too, Jean-Luc, because you're from here, but they follow guys. You're talking about the, the guys from this area, these fans, very smart fans, and they follow you no matter what team that you're, that you're playing for, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can hear a few Quebec guys drop to even before me. I mean, uh, they get more cheers than the other guys because they're from here. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun that it's like that. Uh, it's in Montreal, so. I've got one more thing for you here. As a smaller guy, is there anybody in the NHL that, you know, you look up to or try and model your game after? Uh, I mean, I think I play a bit like uh, maybe Point, the Brink and those guys. But, um, I mean, growing up, uh, my favorite player is Patrick Kane. And okay. I, I think I play a bit like him, like playmaking-wise. But, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a few small guys that I can play with, like, so. All right, cool. Uh, for me, I don't think size is an issue, especially in today's NHL. As we saw, you know, Marty St. Louis obviously quite the career. And then, you know, that guy we ran into yesterday, I remember he was my draft year, Danny Briere, and he had quite the career. And I remember he was 5'9", and they said he'd never make it to the NHL. He made it. So it's kind of great the way the game has changed, yeah. you being a big offensive guy. Plus, you know, not French-Canadian guy. He's on my side. So, you know, <laughs> I got all my money on you. Good luck. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? Oh, I mean, I'm going to spend a bunch of time with uh, my family, obviously. I mean, they're all here, but, um, yeah, I'll probably just hang out with friends and stuff after and just uh, take, advantage of the, take advantage of the good moment. So. You're just going to leave that jersey on all day? Yeah, I'll Maybe. leave it on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there I go. Jordan, thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Jordan you Dumay, uh, the Blue Jackets taking him in the third round of this 2022 NHL draft here in Montreal at the Bell Center. Uh, the, uh, the young, skilled forward that the Blue Jackets uh, have just put into the pipeline here. And uh, and now for him, it'll be looking to start to make those steps. Guys, you know what I really liked about that guy? You know, we always talk about that, that line between confidence oh, and cockiness. Yeah. Wow, right there. And I love, I, but I love how he walked it right there, you know? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm skilled. I feel like I fit right in there on a young team. I, yeah. I love that. And it's, um, it's genuine. Yeah, it was. yeah, you got, you definitely got that feeling as soon as he walked up, calm, cool, collected. You asked him if he was nervous. He said, "No, not really. I yeah. knew where I was going to go." Everybody <laughs> always says yes. He didn't. We had Luca on earlier, and he said he couldn't even eat this morning. Right. And then we've got Jordan coming on here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of had yeah. the feeling that I was going to go in this range. So, 
That's yeah. where I went. Yeah. So. And, and you look at you know you look at the numbers and 68 games, 109 points, 39 goals, 70 assists, and uh, those are big. Yeah, and you know the physical part definitely at five nine. You know you don't expect it six mel- six penalty minutes. So hey, he's disciplined and clearly an offensive guy. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, this is somebody most likely that we're not going to see pro for another two three years, and then at the NHL level, who knows how he develops, but. Uh, Wishing him all the best. But Listen, I love we, the confidence. And, we thought, and I don't even know why we still talk about small guys because, as you said, the game has changed right. so much. It's not even a big deal. But, you know, you talk, you can talk about penalty numbers, whether it's seriously or tongue-in-cheek or whatever. But fact of the matter is, by the time you get to the National Hockey League, and this is the direction this team is going, you have bigger guys there to make sure that your little guy is able to do whatever he wants to do and that he has the room to skate, right? That's it. it. That's the bottom line. Exactly. And, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future we'll see pick 109 Dolchenkov at 6'6", and then uh, we see uh, Dumay next to him on the same line. <laughs> yeah. You know, there you go. You got the big guy to protect you. But, again, the NHL has changed so much. Yeah. I do not believe size really matters. I know. I don't. Again, I don't know. We talk about it because it's a it's a talking point, but to me, it's become a stupid talking point because it's when Marty St. Louis found his way in. And remember, he didn't get drafted. He was here last night. He said it took me 47 years to get to my first NHL draft, and it was last night. But it, when he worked his way in, it was a big deal because there was nobody else that was that size that was playing in yeah. the NHL. Yeah, and. and- but physically, Marty St. Louis was a beast. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, just Google his size on on <laughs> on uh, Google, yeah. and it's kind of crazy to see how strong he was as an athlete. But you look back at Jack Hughes when he got drafted, and still now he walks in the arena and he looks literally like a teenager. Right, he was the first overall pick, quite the player, and has not had any really injuries since joining the NHL. The game has changed for the better. It's all based on skill and speed. That's what sells. We want to see more goals. That's exactly what these young guys and those little guys bring. Well, you talk about the little guys. I want to go back to the big guy the Blue Jackets just drafted for one second because I was reminded uh, of something very special on Twitter just a moment ago. Kirill Dolchenkov, who the Blue Jackets just picked in the fourth round, 6'6", 240 pounds. He scored a lacrosse-style goal this season. So he's a guy who has soft hands and some skill as well. He can bury it, he can wire the puck, but he scored a lacrosse goal this year. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's get uh, some of your questions once again as we go back to Twitter. Brandon, you're next up on this live CBJ and 30 from the NHL draft in Montreal. How are you, Brandon? Good, how are you? Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yes, we, yeah, we can. got you. Um, what do you think the Jackets are going to do with Patrick Laine? And how do you think these young guys are going to fit into the NHL next year or the year past? The, what, are you talking about the guys that they're drafting right now? Yep. Yeah, well, it won't be uh, it won't be next year that they're going to be fitting in. We're looking a little bit down the road here. Um, and thank you, Brandon. Thanks for thanks for your question today. The Patrick Line thing, you know, with every day that goes on, it becomes uh, you know more of a becomes more of a uh, concern. I guess, I, lack of a better word, concern. But you know, I've said this, I've said this uh, all along from the player standpoint. The closer you get to arbitration, you know, that that's your leverage, right? You're, you're trying to get the most that you can and you, because the team doesn't want to go to arbitration. And so that that's where you're, you're going to hold out a little bit there. If you're looking to get a little bit more going up to that point, that's where you are. And, and they're still traveling toward that point. So that's why, you know, to me, how concerning is it? 
I don't know. I'm not concerned right now. You know, maybe two weeks from now I feel a little bit different about that, but I still think they're going to get him signed. You? I, I second everything you said. I agree. Yeah, same here. I, I think it's it's something that's going to come down maybe to the wire, but how many deals get signed right before the day before arbitration? A right. lot of them, I'm not sure exactly what that date is, but I'm sure, you know, see it this way. If I were a betting man, I'd say this deal will get done before arbitration. But, but, I, w but I would say this. Like the arbitration thing for me personally, if I'm – I don't want to go there as a team because what happens in arbitration is – you're arguing against your player, yeah, right? Feelings get hurt. Yeah, in they get hurt fast. And it's understandable because the player is saying, hey, I can do this, 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 and that's why I should get this much money. And you have to turn around to a guy that you're trying to get under contract and going, well, you don't do this as well as this other guy. You don't do this as well as you think that you do. And we need you to do more out of here, so we only want to give you this amount of money. So even when you come to an agreement, you know, those things linger. Where that, that Depending upon what's said in those hearings, you know, we've seen many a player, not just in hockey, in sport, yep. baseball, this happens all the time. The guy's like, get me out of here. Like, the, you obviously don't respect me and what I can do because of what I just heard in that hearing. No, we do respect you and we do like you. We just didn't want to pay you what you wanted to get paid. So, it's a, it, to me, it's poison. Arbitration, if you get to that point, it's kind of poisonous. Yeah, it's something that you definitely want to avoid, not only as a team, but as a player as well, because sometimes you just don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> You know, tell me the truth. Sometimes you don't want to hear it. You like to hear good things about yourself. Not the Back bad to things. the, uh, what, few good men. You can't handle you the can, truth. Yeah, can you? <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's absolutely like that. So, uh, hey, wait, you just had a note there on Duncan Keith. Yeah, Duncan Keith is officially retired from the National Hockey League. Played one season in Edmonton after all those years with Chicago, three Stanley Cups. But Duncan Keith is uh, out of Edmonton. That really makes things interesting for the Oilers now. Zach Cassian no longer on the team. They got that contract off the books. Same thing with Duncan Keith now. So some cap room to operate for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Likely to see Evander Kane going back there now, I would think, with that money available. Yeah, will it be Evander Kane or a goaltender? Or, like, that'll be interesting. Or will Evander Kane belong to the San Jose Sharks once again? That's right. Don't forget all that garbage is going on. Yeah. Where, with his contract, where like, it, this amazes me. And they can't figure this out before free agency, who actually owns his rights. If San Jose parted ways with him correctly, yep. he played, he had a great playoff run with the Edmonton Oilers. He can be a free agent. He can sign a big-ticket contract, and all of a sudden they're going, well, hold on a second. We're not sure this was all done the right way. How crazy is that? That is absolutely crazy, and you have to understand. So now they have a new, new management with Mike Greer, new coaching staff. Maybe San Jose hopes that Kane goes back to them. You never know what is going to Could happen. Could you imagine that? That that would be crazy. Could you imagine that as Mike Greer coming in? And I, I mean, say what you want to about Patrick Kane. He's he's an elite forward, right? When yeah, yeah. when he is on his game, he is. We saw it in the playoffs. He's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And Evander Kane is a guy that was, you know, we talked about second chances. Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Same thing for Kane. He proved their short time, yes, with Edmonton that he could contribute, be a good teammate. And maybe San Jose will forget because when it's new management, you like to bring your guys. Yeah. And maybe they'll give him that chance. Yeah, again. new management, new coaching staff is going to be there. Uh, you know, Mike Greer just came in as the GM, so there will be changes made. That, like, like some of the guys that are there today, probably not going to be there when the season starts, certainly not going to be there next year. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the way it works. So you're right. It's going to be a fresh uh, thing there. That's going to be a really interesting situation to watch. Let's go back to uh, Twitter spaces here. Matt has been patiently waiting to talk to us. So uh, let's bring him on. Matt, what do you have for us uh, today? 
unmute and ask us your question, if you would. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. So my question is, uh, Yarmo didn't obviously address anything through trades before the draft. Um, what's the plan on improving the D? Is that something he's going to do a free agency, or are we still expecting a trade? Well, it, there could still be a trade. And we, and we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier in the show, and I, you know, the show's two hours long now, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> so we'll talk about it again. Um, but, yeah, it could still happen in a trade. It doesn't have to happen right now. There are, there are a lot of forwards on this team. There are a lot of wingers, more specifically, that uh, they're going to have too many wingers, too many bodies for the number of positions here. So that's where you could see potentially creating a package to get a defenseman through a trade. That could happen. Free agency could possibly happen, depending upon who's out there and, and uh, you know who they like and who they might be able to get a deal done with there. So there's still avenues for that. Just because they didn't make a trade last night or they haven't made one today doesn't mean that uh, they're just going to suck it up and deal with what they have on the blue line until some other time. They're still going to address it somehow. And the good thing with the Blue Jackets is they have a lot of those wingers on very uh, affordable contracts still. That, and these contracts are easier to move. And then the Blue Jackets, with all the cap space, can take a big number as well back. So I think uh, if you're Yama Kalkalainen, you're pretty happy with uh, what you have right now in your hand to, you know, as far as trading chips. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you, that's a great point that you make. You've you got to have cap-friendly contracts. Right, right, right. Right? If you can do that and you can get it under somebody's cap and – you know, help your guys along too. That's another thing. You know, we talk about talk about players like they're inanimate objects a lot of times. You know, but you're trying when you're trading somebody, especially in this situation. It, it's one of the. We were just talking about getting your feelings hurt, right? It's uh, look, we like you, but we just don't have room for you. We like you. I like him better. I'm, but what we're going to do is we're going to try to get you somewhere where you're going to have an opportunity. And, oh, by the way, yeah, it's going to help us. But I, I really think truly that they're, they're looking to do that for players. Yeah, and that's what the cap has done. It's kind of hard because you look at uh, Mrazek yesterday. Toronto basically paid to get rid of him by giving picks and the player. And Zach Cashin, same thing with Edmonton. They get rid of him and then pay a bunch of, like, draft pick to take a bad contract. So the Blue Jackets, they don't have that situation with any of their players right now. So those teams are more willing to trade with them because, you know, you got affordable players that can play in the NHL right now. Right, and you, and this happened to the Blue Jackets. Just go back to that Vegas expansion draft. Remember, they had the David Clarkson contract that they very much wanted to get off the books. Um, you know, they, had, they, they didn't want Josh Anderson to get taken in the expansion draft, so they had to finagle some things, and they had to give up more than they wanted to just to get out of a couple of situations. So everybody goes through it yep. at some point in time. Uh, but you're right. And, look, Peter Morazic, I'm just going to say it. I never understood. Like, I, he has flashes, but I I never understood why he went to Toronto to begin with, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Kyle Dubas taking a lot of heat in Toronto for that one. Yeah. Even start, you know, looking back last summer, that was one deal that was absolutely weird, especially when you had Freddie Anderson right there in your backyard. And then this year with Jack Campbell, what is going to happen? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they finally get this guy, and they're talking about, like, at the end of the season, you know, we're just going to get him re-signed. And now they may not re-sign him, and now they're looking for a goaltender. And, and I'll tell you, in my opinion, like, Darcy Kemper is now going to be on the free agent uh, carousel, right? After uh, what Colorado did, and they, they go out and they get another goaltender. So, uh, with him being available, like, because his name was brought up there. Listen, they really don't play defense. Right. So, 
being a goaltender on that team, good luck to you, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about Elvis a while ago with Aaron Portsline and, and about how now you have three or four breakaways a game where you would have a breakaway once every three or four games under the old system. You know, they are an offensive machine. So it, as a goaltender, you know, it, if I'm going there, I'm going there to get a lot of money because I know it's going to be – I'm going to work for it. Well, a yeah. perfect example is, I mean, the guy that they gave up on in net, Frederick Anderson, he was there and. You know, between he and Connor Hellebuck, those are the two goaltenders that would always take the most shots per season in the NHL. Hellebuck in Winnipeg and Frederick Anderson in uh, Toronto. Anderson had pretty decent numbers as a member of the Maple Leafs. Then he goes to a team that does play responsible defensively in the Carolina Hurricanes, and he has a Vezina Trophy caliber season, one of the best years in the NHL in net. So it's uh, it's like you guys were just talking about with Elvis Merzlikens and playing in a John Tortorella system versus what the Blue Jackets were doing last year with a little different personnel as well. It depends on the fit, and, and you know, maybe Toronto let a good guy go in Frederick Anderson, and they're finding a hard time replicating that. But, you know, Jack Campbell has been huge for them at times. He's been really good in net for them at times. But, uh, you know, I'd, I think they just should bring him back rather than yeah. go out and try something new, right? Absolutely. Right. If you're talking about trying something new, you're talking about your third guy in three years. Yeah. yeah. It's You need stability on a team. Yeah. Definitely, you know, we talk about coaching. Same thing with all your players, but... You know, we're talking about goaltenders and not to take anything away from Andre Vasilevsky, but if you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially in the playoff, the way they block shot, their, you know, their commitment to defense, there's no breakaways. These elite teams, yes, they have elite goaltender to bail you out in case things happen, but if there's breakaways after breakaways after breakaways, it's really hard to handle, and we saw it with Florida. Sergey Bobrovsky is an excellent goaltender, and yes, some argue that he's overpaid, but if you looked at him during the playoff, he had a great playoff. It's just that there were just too many scoring chances against him. So we'll see. Absolutely. And um, you know, I what we're all what we're saying in a nutshell here, and this is coming from a former goalie parent, it's not just the doggone goalie, okay? There's a lot of people between <laughs> when that puck is picked up by the other team. There's a lot of people between that puck before it gets to the goaltender. So don't just blame the goaltender all the time. I had to get that off my chest. Well, you know what? I'm all with you as a beer league goalie myself. You know, I blame it all on the forward. It's usually, as a defenseman, they say never trust the forward for the defenseman. But as a goalie, you can't trust anybody. Just lay down, block the shots, and stop the breakaways, please. <laughs> Uh, continuing on here at the Bell Center in Montreal, day two of uh, the NHL draft. And again, first time this draft has been in person in three years. The last two were done virtually, and uh, that was fine when you had to do it that way because that's the way things had to be. But being back here, is, uh, it's certainly been a treat for so many people, and us included. And, you know, one of the great things about it is just the people that you get to see. We were talking earlier about, you know, Jean-Luc getting to see former teammates here and uh, there are people I ran into uh, this morning coming in here Wayne Smith who was a scout with the Blue Jackets way back when they first started and uh, you know then he, he moved on and he was uh, with Peter Shirelli there when he in Ottawa and Boston and I haven't seen that guy for oh I don't know 15 18 years or something like that it's just great to see the hockey world back yeah. together once yeah. again this year yeah absolutely and uh you know, even for me, it was like, you know, you come in here and, you know, I was a little nervous. I'm like, this is my first draft and you know, I don't know how many years and you see all these faces and you're like, you're like, hey, I, 
we know more people than we thought we really yeah. did and it, it's been quite the experience and uh, so grateful for that but yes being back in person can't beat it yep you'll get there dylan I know. That's why we started bringing you, so you get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. You know, the other thing is, is, is we sit here and we watch, uh, we we watch the floor in front of us the entire time. Um, I was Blue Jackets oh, Blue just Jack traded, traded for a pick here. Yep. All right, so they'll have a pick, but I'll finish my thought. Joseph Boumediene, who works for the Blue Jackets, uh, his son is the runner, and I've been watching these kids that are runners here the last two days, and and they. They're working hard, man. Like they got their their job is to get the people at the table whatever it is that they need, right? So these kids, I just saw the kid from the, the Avalanche was trying to carry two, maybe three coffees at the same time earlier to get them back over here. But these guys, these uh, these kids are working really hard. All right, the Blue Jackets have made a pick here at number one thirty-eight. And they take another Russian with this pick. Sergei Ivanov. So the Blue Jackets trading next year's fifth rounder to San Jose for uh, San Jose's fifth round pick here. Blue Jackets taking 138th overall. Uh, Sergei Ivanov. Sergei Ivanov, a Russian goaltender, 5'11", 165 pounder. Uh, get to numbers here for Sergei Ivanov playing in the MHL uh, for SKA. 2-1-7 goals against average in 26 games, 928 save percentage, so good numbers there. Obviously a project goaltender. The goaltenders in this draft class, there weren't really any guys that were super highly touted like there have been in past years. More project goaltenders than anything in this year's draft. So the Blue Jackets liking Sergei Ivanov right here. Uh, he was rated in the you know 160s to 150s area, uh, so that's uh, right where the Blue Jackets are kind of at right now, that 130 to 160 range. So Sergey Ivanov, a new Blue Jackets goaltender. Well, and there was talk about that. I mean, you, we talked extensively about the goalies a little bit ago, but um, but that's maybe the thinnest part, I guess, now, especially with the, the drafting of the defensemen uh, that we've seen in this draft too. Um, I mean, yeah, you're set right now. You've got Merzlikens. You've got Corpusalo on the one-year deal. Tarasov. You've got Tarasov, who's, again, to me, is going to be the long-term answer to that position. You've got Jet Greaves, who they signed last year, and is going to play in Cleveland with Tarasov. But then then you fall off, right? you got to start adding some young guys. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, he goes with your board. I don't think this was a strong class of goaltender. Only eight goaltenders taking so far, and we're in the fifth round already. But... Something pretty interesting. We talked about the size in the game and the players getting smaller and smaller and smaller, especially defensemen forwards. And you look, the goaltending is the opposite. You yep. know, like you look 6'5", 6'3", 6'4". All these goaltenders now are giants and Blue Jackets there goes with this young Russian at 5'11", who's the smallest goaltender drafted today. So, you know, again, there's always that guy. You look at UC Saros over in, in, uh, in Nashville who, you know, he's just small for today's goaltending standard because he's not that six foot six uh, giant like uh, Tarasov. Right. <laughs> but he's quick. Yes. And again, we're, we're, it's, a, uh, it's a position of positioning. This <laughs> yes. is what goaltending is. If you're not in position, you're done. And so, you know, sometimes the size doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right about that. We were talking about, I was complaining about uh, small forwards and defensemen earlier, and now it's the goalie, yeah, no, when Dylan says 5'11", the first thing that goes through my mind is, oh, he's small, he's not a big goalie. <laughs> well, come on, man. 
He's 18. He's still got time yet to grow there as well. There you go. There you go. He's six foot one by the time it's all said and done on paper anyway. <laughs> That's the way it works. Chris Peters, scouting report on this guy. He's five foot eleven, but super competitive, very, very quick. Was one of only three goaltenders in his top 100. There so, you go. guy with high upside, according to Chris. There you go. And quick. he probably dropped because of his size, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah right. You know, which, you know, if you said that 15 years ago, it'd be like, you're crazy. He's a yes. goalie. Who cares? Yep. Now well, we continue on here at the draft. There's Paul Castron, who was the uh, amateur scouting director for a long time for the Blue Jackets before he left to uh, go to the New Jersey Devils, where he worked for Ray Shiro. By the way, Ray Shiro, former GM of the Penguins and the Devils. Uh, I'd forgotten where he was. He's working with Bill Guerin with the Minnesota Wild, sitting at their table here uh, during this draft this year. So uh, as you were saying earlier, you see a lot of faces. Um, sometimes the colors of the shirts they're wearing have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Man, they're still the same faces. Absolutely. And some don't change. Gerard Gallant, we saw him in the oh, hallway yesterday, yeah, was, literally has not changed one bit. Not at all. He's such a great guy. And, I, you know, I congratulated him on having a, a great season. And I said, hey, next year don't win so much, would you? I mean, geez. <laughs> so, you know, but from that standpoint, too, I mean, you, you look at this. We were talking about the Metropolitan Division uh, earlier. Look at the coaches in this division now with uh, Gerard Gallant, the Rangers, and, you know, the, the great season that they had. John Tortorella's back in the division now with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Lindy Ruff is coaching the New Jersey Devils, you know, an old stalwart uh, guy uh, that's going on there. And, um, you know, Mike Sullivan has obviously done a great job with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's put himself in elite company uh, there. Peter Laviolette, who has won Stanley Cups, is in, is in Washington. Um, you know, and that's yeah. well, I, I said this at the end of the season when it comes to coaching. And of all the things, like the Blue Jackets overachieved, like we said, but any time that there was any kind of a dip, like when you get to the end of the season, not once did I ever think that, boy, with different coaching, a, a different coaching philosophy or an approach or whatever, maybe that wouldn't have been. I, I thought Brad Larson and his staff, I mean, they – they came in kind of under the radar, guys, to the rest of the league, and I thought they did a great job with what they had and how they communicated and how they got uh, how they got a lot out of their players. Sometimes they got more out of some players than they should have gotten out of them. Absolutely, and that's what we were talking before is, like, they've pushed all the right buttons, and it's like now the next step next year is, like, you hopefully the players understand what they went through this year and build up from that because as a coaching staff, if you have to give a grade to the coaching staff with Pascal and uh, Brad Larson, all these guys, Jared Bull, it had to be an A plus because they they exceeded expectation by a large margin, if you ask me. Where are we on the board here? The Vancouver Canucks just picking the uh, 144th. See, it's a good thing we didn't just decide to bag it after uh, the fourth round here, right? Yeah, we I know. We would missed the fifth round pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That we didn't have when we first started doing this. So, yeah, so uh, now the Blue Jackets just with nothing in the sixth. They still got that seventh as it stands. But, yeah, right. some, some people liking the upside, it seems like, of Sergei Ivanov. Always good to draft a goalie. It's like the NFL. Every year, you know, I always want to try and draft a quarterback because you never know. Kind of yeah. the same thing with a goalie. You never know. And, again, they very seldom go high. Yeah. You know, they very seldom. Like Marc-Andre Fleury is the first overall. That doesn't happen right, very right, right. often. I mean, they used to, uh, but I think 
the game has changed so much. Now it's all about defensemen and centers. It's like... Well, when you look at a couple of these first-round goalies that have gone in years past, uh, a guy like Ilya Samsonov was a first-round goalie. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov, he hasn't played significantly in the NHL yet, but he was the best goalie a couple years ago when he went 13th, and he really hasn't looked great since being drafted. You know, you got to wonder if people are kind of starting to shy away from that. I'll make another reference to the National Hockey League running backs. People, you know, back in the day, you'd really value a running back. Now it's like, ah, oh, we can kind of plug a guy yep. in. It's almost the same type of deal, right? You find Where, a running back on the street today, yeah, right? Ex ex yeah, exactly. Or maybe you, you don't take wanna... him in the first round, then he plays two years, and you're looking for another guy who winds up being a six-round yeah, pick. Yeah, maybe you don't want to waste these picks on a goaltender because maybe you feel like you can find a gem later or sign a guy that's undrafted eventually or make a trade for a guy and let the other organizations use those picks to find him, right? It, it, it changed so much, and it's a they call it a copycat league for a reason, and it's like... You can make it pretty far into the playoff without elite goaltenders now. Yeah. So. I mean, watch. Look what just happened with uh, Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper didn't necessarily have a terrific playoff by any means statistically, but his team was so good in front of him, and the defense for Colorado was so good, it worked out. Yep. It's always good to have an elite goaltender. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky. What would Tampa Bay be without him? Still a very good team, but he just puts them completely over the top. Uh, but, but yeah, you know what I mean there. It's yeah, game's changing a little bit. You can win in different ways. Well, and the other thing about the goaltending is if you have one of those elite guys, and Tampa's a good example of this, you can find the backup. I mean, you don't have to draft a backup. I mean, you look what they went with. Curtis McElhaney was there for a couple of cups. Uh, Brian Elliott was uh, the backup there this year. You can always find those guys. So it's, it's finding the... It's finding the elite guy, yep. right? And yeah. uh, and then those other guys, they're all, they're always there. That that guy that had one great season and then you know kind of fell off, and he's he's looking to stay in the league, and you only need him to play twenty games, twenty five games, and uh, you can find those guys. Easy. So that it makes it in some ways it makes it kind of tough for the goaltenders. I mean, there's <laughs> first of all, there's only two on a on a roster at a time, and then you know usually when you you find two you like, you don't want to move away from those two. Especially if you like him and they're a yeah. good guy in the room. It's not necessarily about what they bring on the ice, but a lot of times it's just, you know, you look at the Michelini and this is a guy that was a team guy first and was there a better option as far as, you know, performance probably, but you don't want to mess up that atmosphere in the locker room as well. So you have to give more credit even there to Michelini for the incredible career he had as a backup basically yeah. from day one. Absolutely. And he came in, he worked with Sergei Bobrovsky for a long time. And, and remember his exit, it was, it was, it was kind of sad. I mean, yeah. he got he got waived. Yeah. He got released and then wound up going to Toronto and then, you know, wound up with that great fit in Tampa. And, uh, you know, like this year I saw when the uh, when the Lightning went to, I think when they went to play uh, Colorado, I believe, was when they they got together with Curtis McElhaney and they, they gave got him the his ring. ring and, you know, they had a dinner and he brought his kids in and they gave him his ring and it was, uh, you know, it was special. And you're right. You do that because he's a team guy. Yep. You know, the other guy, you put it in the mail and you say thanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's put see. It in the mail. Where are we at? Pick number 148. The uh, Los Angeles Kings have just made that pick, and now the Capitals are as, on the board. As you're talking about the putting in the mail, I got a funny story for you. I was talking to Matthew Darch last summer, and he's, uh, you know, during the pandemic, he said that he goes up to Montreal and he's like, 
There I am driving up the border with over $200,000 worth of uh, Stanley Cup ring because he was bringing him to all the Canadian guys across the border as he was going out for his break. He's like, I came, I came back and the guy said, anything of value? And he's like, he had four Stanley Cup ring in his car with him and the guy was just freaking out. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you actually hand-delivered them? He's like, well, I just need to cross the border with them to give it to the guys. But like, it's like, some of those little stories behind the scene are so fun Like when you hear them right from the source. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Matthew Darshan, assistant general manager with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Jamie Pusher, another blue jacket. That's right. He's, uh, in, you know, these guys have really gotten in there and, and they've done great things. You know, we're talking about the scouts that don't get talked about. Jamie Pusher, I see him all the time on the road uh, throughout the season. He's done a really good job at identifying players to help them. And Matthew Darsh, his name was out there in a couple of the general manager searches, one of those here in Montreal, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, the Blackhawks won. He talked to a lot of people. He's yep. starting to gain some traction there. Yeah, he's gaining some traction. He's one of the young guys. You know, Josh Flynn with the Columbus Blue Jackets, actually another name that uh, was going around quite a bit there uh, per sources. I think Elliot Friedman was reporting that. So, you know, it's nice to see alumni. And, you know, for the Blue Jackets, now 22 years in the league, you're starting to see more and more names, you know, whether they're former player Luke Richardson coaching in Chicago now really being around the league and you know now we look on the floor and it's like it seems like every team has somebody that was at some point associated with the blue jackets yeah yeah you're right about that which is uh that that's what time does for you right yep, yep, it's still yep. a relatively young franchise i you know it was like i had a couple of people in the last cbj and 30 i did you know they were saying hey the colorado avalanche was dead last five years ago it took them five years to to win a cup uh, what's the timetable for the blue jacket the Colorado Avalanche also went 20 years in between cups. <laughs> they went they went the amount of time the Blue Jackets have existed in between Stanley Cup victories. And this one's a sore subject for me. I grew up being a big Nordique fan, and you have to remember that the Colorado Avalanche was not an expansion team. This, my Nordiques, my Nordiques, that went over there and won the cup their first year. So it's really, it's a different, completely different story because... The Colorado Avalanche as a franchise, yes, they may be 30 years old, but really it's a 70-year-old franchise because it's Quebec that just moved. Yeah, all the pieces were in place when they got to Colorado. Exactly. Yeah. Not fair. Yeah, they had, had some pretty good players <laughs> yeah, when decent. they showed up there. Sore subject there, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until you started to talk and I saw the look in your eyes. Yeah, the, so, the, the wound is still fresh I gotta, there for I got to move out of arm's reach here while he answers. <laughs> Free special for me to see Joe Sackick at the table in front of us and, like, me thinking, like, you know, that was my boy. Matt yeah. Sundin, Joe Sackick, Duchesne, like. Eric Lindros. Oh, no, wait. That yeah, didn't work either. Yeah, he didn't want to go. Mike Ritchie. <laughs> this is what I grew up with. Yep, absolutely. No doubt. Over uh, 152 picks in to this thing now. Yeah, we were just we're just talking about the the old Blue Jackets alums. Matthew Darsh with the Tampa Bay Lightning talking with Chris McFarland of the uh, Colorado Avalanche right there. The two assistant GMs and pick, pick they get number done talking. And is about the could move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tampa has the uh, 160th pick overall and. I don't know if it moves or not, but those two talked to each other, and then they went back to their respective tables and started to talk to other people. Could have been like, what do you want to have for dinner when we're out of here? I don't know, but it could be, do you want to do something here? We'll find out. 
Well, it's been a fun time here in uh, in Montreal. It's been a great time. It's been a great experience uh, for all of us the entire time that we've been here. It's funny, as I said earlier, we turn around and we've got Darren Drager, Pierre Lebrun, of uh, both of TSN and sitting right back here. Frank Sarah Valley. All the news that you're reading on Twitter that's breaking right yeah. now is breaking 10 feet behind yeah, us. Yeah, it's breaking right behind us. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think Pierre Lebrun had the Duncan Keith scoop before anybody else, so... That one coming from right behind. And he hasn't moved. Right. Like, he's sitting in that spot. He's plugged it, in. He's dialed in. He's got like, his finger on the pulse. It's ridiculous. Our Remember video those, producer, Donnie, says, yeah. finger on the pulse, baby. <laughs> yeah, Remember those runners you were talking about earlier? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Table? I think he's probably got them on payroll. <laughs> <laughs> Each one of those guys has a Pierre Lebrun cell phone in that, his pocket with one right. number in it. And so the runner's just sending the tips, scouting the tables there. I bet you these kids are going to be tired when this thing's over. Oh, my gosh. And people at home, you have to understand, each table has probably about eh, 20, oh, more than 25. Yeah, about 25 people at each table, and these kids are running left and right, getting them water, coffee, snacks. Amazing. <laughs> what an experience for the kids, though. It is a great experience for the kids, and uh, uh, some of them, like for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Julian Brisebois, who is their general manager. His son is doing it. Yesterday, we ran into a former teammate of yours. His daughter is the runner for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, yeah, so much fun. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, J.D. Forrest. Yep. The, the, and he's the coach of the well, American Hockey League team. Correct. And his daughter is doing the running for the Penguins. So, again, it's it, that's another great thing about this is when there's the opportunity like, there's a lot of work being done here. Don't get yep. me wrong. But yep. when there's an opportunity to involve the families in it, they get them involved in it. Those are two great examples. And, and for what I told you, Joseph Bumadian, you know, his son's over there as a runner for the Blue Jackets. Opportunity to bring family in. Yeah, and these kids are on their feet for literally like three, four, five hours straight. They do not sit. <laughs> no, no. But they're young, young legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> They'll be home telling their parents, I'm so tired. Yeah. You know, and if it was my kid, I'd say, imagine if you had to do that five days a week. <laughs> Not just a day and a half a week. Which Jeff Sabota, the Jackets Insider, has got oh, a yeah. gift for you. Oh, yeah, dropping some chips, all dressed in ketchup. David Spacek just got drafted, born in Columbus, Ohio, son of Yaroslav. Yep. Hey, wait a minute. What you? What? Are those both ketchup chips? Nope, all dressed and ketchup. What? You never had all dressed? No. All dressed is good. Oh. Really? Let's try it live on the Crack air. Crack those open. You want some? Yeah. I never. I didn't even know there was another brand of any kind of ketchup. Oh, my chips. gosh. Are we going to do a taste test on the yeah. air here? Taste yeah, test. All dressed chips. All okay. dressed. Okay. The other, the other part's in French, so I'll just go with the all dressed. Can't say it. This is I told John Luke last night I was, I was not going to buy any draft merchandise that was written in French. I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> he got so upset with me. Pretty good there. But I lied. I did buy some anyway, so that is good. Yeah. Right? What are we That's rating this good. on a scale of? One to ten? I don't know, but we better take a case home. Right? <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> Got to take a case of these things home for crying out loud. Because we're crunching on the air? I know. That's right. <laughs> if you want to get in on our crunching here on Twitter Spaces, request to be a speaker. And <laughs> Rate this on a scale of one to six because uh, – our new Russian prospect is six feet, six inches tall. <laughs> I'm sure he likes his fair share of all-dressed chips. I'd give these a nice four and a half or five out of six. Out of six? Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll give them a five out of six. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Sure. I need a bag. How did I not know about those? 
We don't hang out enough, Bob. Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> like, I used to come up here in the American League. Like, see, this is going totally off the rails now. I used to love getting the dill pickle chips, you know. But, but I mean, stuff that I couldn't right, find right, at right. home. That, now you can find more of that stuff at right, home. Right. There, there was a time when I was in the American League, there were some things you could only find when you came in to Canada, places. right? Yeah. And so, it was always always special. Like, in, in, And when you're in the minor leagues, when you're stopping at the convenience store, that's what you're loading up on. Hey, where right. are those ketchup chips? We're going to get three bags of those for the rest of the way home. Don't we wish there were sheets back when we oh. Well, uh-huh. But there were sheets when uh, Jody and I were in the East Coast Hockey League. Oh, really? Yeah, well, it's, it started around that Johnstown area in Pennsylvania. So that's where we, uh, as he'll tell you, that all the players stayed at the same apartment complex. And we used to take the bus. There wasn't much parking at the rink, so I would park there with the trainers and the coaches. We would, the bus would be loaded. I wouldn't load the bus. I'm not even gonna lie. They would load the bus. I would just show up at the last second and get on the bus. And we would drive to the players' apartment complex. And uh, and the players. It's so funny now when I think about what we do in the NHL. It would be snowing, and there was a bus stop at the like at the end of the complex, and they would all be standing out there with their pillows. You know. Some hats, if they didn't have a hat, their hair was 17 different directions. You know, they looked like a bunch of homeless people just showed up there and this bus was taking them somewhere. So and they would all load up and get on the bus. We would immediately go and stop and load up on sandwiches and junk and all that. And then we would continue on our merry way to wherever we were going, probably to get beat because the two years I worked there, we didn't we didn't uh, win very much. I never won. Those two years I was in the East Coast Hockey League, I can tell you, I don't believe we ever won a game in Columbus. It was... It was pitiful. I knew the result before I got on the bus for the five-hour ride. Where, this where was this the is stop? a waste of time. It's a total waste of time. <laughs> where was your stop in Columbus? In where Col- did you guys stop for snacks? No, we would uh, uh, off of Bryce Road. We used to stop. We used to go to a gas station off Bryce Road on on the way out uh, seventy to go back east oh, to Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Hit a deer days. coming back from Columbus one night on mm-hmm. the yeah it was with the bus. Which we just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> Not much he could You do. know, it's the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, boom, and it oh. wakes everybody up and start yelling at the driver. But uh, didn't stop the bus. <laughs> Did I'm, not stop Not the much bus. he can do there. Three in the morning, last thing you want to be standing on the side of the road because you hit a deer, right? So. John Luke's the food guy here. He's very generously shared his all-dressed chips with us earlier. He shared his trail mix with Luca Del Bell Belouz, who had not eaten all day. Yeah. Just try to help him out. Yeah, exactly. Get him back up here. Give him some all-dressed. Maybe next week at development. You camp. might appreciate that forever, you know. Well, you, know, you, you know might what? get you might get exclusive interviews if he makes a team. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe that'll be all. That'll be part of his draft story always. Luca Del Bell Blues will be some huge player for the Blue Jackets, and he'll <laughs> always right. remember, you know, I was so nervous, but this nice broadcaster and former Blue Jackets player gave me some trail mix, and it settled me. Exactly. And it settled me. Yeah. <laughs> settled my stomach. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he made the draft enjoyable for me. He did. That Bob McElligot wouldn't share his croissants with yeah, me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> hey, man. I was so hungry when I went to get that croissant, nobody was getting any of it. I think it's time, to get, a, I think it's time to get some hot dogs. I've heard the hot dog line is uh, mammoth right now back Did you there. have them yesterday? Oh, yeah. What is it about? Again, we're just totally off the board now, but... That's fine because they just finished the fifth round, and we're going into the sixth round. The Blue Jackets don't have a pick unless they make a trade. We're at the point anyway where we can decide at any time we want to just to end this and to be done and go eat hot dogs. 
But what makes the, the hot dog here so special? Like, it's it's just a doggone hot dog. But it, it is. The bread is just a little different than what we typically see in the state. They steam it, or sometimes they toast it. Yeah, the they had the toasted buns here, I yeah, think. Yeah, the, to the, the toasted one is the tradition. So think of it as a hot dog bun that is put on a panini machine yeah. real quick, and you eat it so you get a little crisp, a little tender. I'm not a hot dog guy, but when I come but here, in Montreal, I have right? to have something. Yeah. Just like the poutine. Yeah, I, don't, yes. I think you need to go into it not expecting that the hot dog itself is going to blow your mind because what hot dog is going to? The hot, it's a hot dog, right? right. It, tastes, it tastes pretty good, but the bun is, I think, what makes it special. I agree. Yeah. You know, the thing is... On a scale of one to six, I'd give it a four. Look, the, the press box in this place... So the press box hangs out over. There's, there's not a food area in the press box. The food area is back... You have to walk around to the end of the rink, and then you have to go back. So this is the only building that, as soon as I take the break, I fire my headsets down, and I basically go into a run just to grab a hot dog. What? It's because you're here. Well, you talked about certain cities. You'd have certain stops. In Montreal, that was the thing. After every game, they would bring down in the locker room for the players, like, ten boxes of hot dogs because the players – when you're in Montreal, you want to have the hot dogs from the, the Bell Center. It's just <laughs> one thing. You know, you talk about certain cities where you have to stop. You know, you do yeah. the stop to get your dill chips in Montreal. It was yeah. the hot dogs. All right. There we go. And I if, think, and I if think you're we've the backup the food. goalie, if you're the backup goalie sitting across from the bench, you're eating hot dogs all night long, <laughs> hoping that your goalie doesn't get chills. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's go back here to Twitter Spaces and – and uh, let's see. Alex Androva. Alex Androva, welcome to a live CBJ30 from the NHL draft. How are you? Hello. Unmute. Unmute and speak to us before we grab another bag of chips. <laughs> Wish there was another bag of chips. Oh, there's still some in there. Well, it looks like we're having some trouble here with. Oh, hello. I am Alex. Oh, hello, Alex. I don't know if there's a question. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think they're just there. excited to be on with I think, us. Yeah, yes. yeah. That most people are. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, we appreciate yeah. it. That's that's our normal reaction. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't had that uh, yeah. reaction so much. No. So anyway. Round six, 165 picks in to the National Hockey League draft. And why don't you recap for us what the Blue Jackets have done here today, if you would. Yeah, so the Blue Jackets, let's think back to what the Blue Jackets have done. They started things off in the second round drafting uh, centerman from the Mississauga Steelheads, a teammate of another Blue Jackets prospect, Ule Julian Bjorkvik Holm. Luca Del Bell Belouz, another guy with four names on the Mississauga Steelheads, and uh, he's a, a good two-way centerman. Had uh, good numbers this season. Was over a point per game. Uh, good defensive player as well. We talked about it a little bit earlier that he had a lot of matchups with Shane Wright this season and did good work to uh, minimize what Shane Wright could do. Uh, a guy that uh, the one knock on him seems to be his skating, but it improved as the season went on, and obviously he's so young, so the, st the skating can continue to improve. Uh, and we talked to him and really liked him as a guy. Seemed very, very excited and happy to be a Blue Jacket. Seemed to be a bit of a hockey nerd. He knew a lot about the Blue Jackets, even though he wasn't a Blue Jackets fan coming into this one. Now, of course, his entire family 
are huge Blue Jackets fans. And, you know, after that, the Blue Jackets were able to get uh, another guy with a ton of skill. And uh, Jordan Dumay, he's a player that is very, very exciting. Um, and he's a player that's going to be here just based on his attitude. Yeah, exactly. He was he had that Alexander Texier walking the line of yeah. cocky and confident. Um, you know, yeah, French-Canadian kid. If he has that kind of skill with that kind of attitude, he's got a chance. Yeah, French-Canadian kid, uh, hometown draft, but uh, finished third in the QMJHL in scoring this past season. The knock on him, small guy, not a terrific skater, but he told us uh, the comparisons are there to Braden Point. Uh, Patrick Kane, his favorite player, uh, he's a guy that loves to create. Uh, he had 30 goals or close to 40 goals, 70 assists this season. So uh, certainly a guy there that is very, very intriguing as a prospect for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then they drafted Kirill Dolchenkov, six foot six, two hundred forty pound winger out of Russia, a guy that can really throw the body around. Six foot six, two hundred forty pounds, just eighteen years old. But he also scored a lacrosse style goal this season, so he's got some soft hands, good hands. And then the Blue Jackets uh, finishing things up in their last pick. They traded up to uh, acquire. Remember, the Blue Jackets did not initially have a pick in the fifth round, and the Blue Jackets ended up trading back into the fifth round to acquire a Russian goaltender and a guy five foot eleven, one hundred sixty-five pounds. But Chris Peters, who's a prospect guru that we talked to a lot, had him in his top one hundred. Uh, he only had three goaltenders in his top one hundred, and the guy that the Blue Jackets drafted, Sergey Ivanov, was there. And uh, so a good pick, a potential good pick there for the Blue Jackets. But everything that I've seen uh, on Twitter so far and everything that, you know, I've been told, people that I've talked to and kind of what I've put together is that the Blue Jackets have had themselves a really, really nice draft. People are liking what the Blue Jackets did. Remember yesterday in the first round, it was David Yurichek and uh, Denton Matejchuk, two different defensemen, but two very, very good defensemen. Yurichek, a two-way guy, big body. Matejchuk, a little bit more offensive-minded, but can play all scenarios. He's a little bit smaller, five foot eleven, but he's very thick, about 190, 195 pounds. Uh, he projects as a top four defenseman, a guy that can play all situations in the National Hockey League, and he seems to get better and better every time Blue Jackets scouts watch him. So, so far, the Blue Jackets with a couple of defensemen, a couple of forwards, and a goaltender. So yesterday, adding, you know, nice to the back end, nice skill, nice size. Uh, today, a lot of skill to the forward group, size to the forward group, and then taking a chance on a goaltender. Funny thing about Jordan and Demay is, like, you compare his game to uh, Braden Point, which, by the way, was also a third-round pick, just like him. So it's kind of huh. that's why you draft and you project. You never know how somebody is going to, you know, uh, develop. Because if I told you today that you could draft Braden Point even in the first round with the first overall, you'd probably take him right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wouldn't hesitate. <laughs> wouldn't hesitate. So I like what the Blue Jackets have done today. You know, I'm familiar with a lot of the prospects the Blue Jackets have drafted. The last two guys a little bit. Uh, less so familiar because both of them being out of Russia, there was you know a little bit less knowledge about the Russian guys this season given the situation over there. But I, I really enjoy what the Blue Jackets have done, and you know this is an organization that just a couple of years ago had one of the weakest prospect pools in the National Hockey League. Last year, uh, the Athletic rated them as having the sixth best prospect pool in the National Hockey League, and I imagine after really loading up in this draft, it's going to be even higher. The Blue Jackets. They've, they've got the cupboard stocked right now, and the future is looking very bright in Columbus, and 
That's not even considering what you already have in this lineup, just the guys that the Blue Jackets have drafted these past couple of seasons. Yeah, and remember, it's, it's just like Yarmo Kekalainen said last night, you can never have enough defensemen. If every guy starts to pan out, then you're going to have too many good guys, and, and that's when, as good he problem said, to have. he goes, if that happens, we'll have teams, 31 teams calling. Right? And he's right. He's absolutely right. Can you do that again? Yes, I can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, oh, but he's right. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, he's getting players that are going to be coveted. They're coveted by this organization. Um, again, if everything works out and they all are going to be good enough to make it to the NHL, then somebody else is going to be coveting them because you won't have enough uh, spaces to put them uh, into your lineup. So that's that's what the goal is. That's that's the way you're supposed to run these things. And uh, as Dylan said, the Blue Jackets are, are building it. And they're not building it from the ground up. The, the foundation is very clearly set. They're just building right on top of that. And it, it is exciting. I mean, we look, look again, let's, let's go back to last year. I've said this honestly, and I'll say it again honestly here. Going, when I went to Nationwide Arena that day, we were going to do that show before the opening round, and I thought, this is, we might be looking at three to five years of bad hockey here because that of what day, was going on. That day changed everything. It did. Because, you know, you had Seth Jones that didn't want to be there. He hadn't been moved at that time. He didn't know what direction things were going. It didn't seem like it was going well, and then all of a sudden, that trade happened, and you got Boquist out of it, and you got the second-round pick, uh, pick that they flipped for Jake Bean. Now you have two NHL defensemen. Are they Seth Jones? No, they're not Seth Jones, but they're two NHL defensemen. You took a, a bad situation and did the best that you could with it. And, oh, by the way, in addition, you got the first-round pick that they just used for your check um, last night there, too. Uh, so, you know, it, it was different. The, the vibe was different. And I get that same kind of vibe here with what happened last yep. night and what's going on today. Yeah, this is just a continuation of, of what they did last year, right? That's all it is. It's yes. Every rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it, is different. If you look at all the teams, you know, the Rangers are ahead of schedule. New Jersey Devils, they're pretty much on schedule. And then you have a team like Buffalo who's, like, way behind schedule, but can, now they're looking great. Can we talk about Buffalo for right. a second here? Because you saw I, I saw you say hello to Kevin Adams, your former teammate and the GM for the Sabres the other day. I Listen. Kevin Adams came in to a pretty bad situation there in Buffalo. Right. And, and it was bad for a couple of reasons. They, they didn't perform. Jason Botterill had been the GM before him. And, and, and I think Jason Botterill's a really smart guy, but it just didn't work out there uh, for him with the, the coaches that he selected, the players he selected. He, Kevin Adams comes in there as a guy that came from the business side. He wasn't coming from the hockey side. He was right. coming from the business side. So now he's, he's learning a lot of the hockey stuff on the fly, right? Didn't even have an assistant general manager, I believe, when he first came in. Correct. And so he's trying to do all this stuff by himself. And, oh, by the way, you have a star player in Jack Eichel that doesn't want to be on your team anymore, and you've got to figure out how am I going to flip this guy and make it better. Right. And I, I tell you what, and it took him some time to do this. But I like, you talked about Joe Sackick earlier. To me, go back to what Joe Sackick did with Matt Duchesne years ago when – Matt Duchesne didn't want to be there. He had to move him, and everybody was on Joe Sackick. He's got to be the worst GM in the league because he won't get rid of this guy. His, he has a price he's looking for. Nobody's giving it to him. He's just got to get rid of him. He's just a problem. He's just got to get rid of him, and he didn't. He hung on until he got exactly what he wanted from the Ottawa Senators. Then he made the deal, and look where his team is now. 
Same with Kevin Adams with this Jack Eichel thing. Yep. He hung on and hung on and hung on, had to answer a lot of questions. Um, you know, I, I kind of like it, too, because you put Jack Eichel in a situation where he had to come back and answer questions, too, right? Right. And so the guy's hurt. He wants the next surgery. Yeah, that was the other thing I forgot. The guy doesn't want to be there, and he's hurt, and he can't even play. Now you got to deal with all that. Uh, but he did it, and they got to the other side of it, and they were a better team. I don't think it was a coincidence that when they finally traded him, they got to be a better team because it wasn't all about what's going to happen with Jack Eichel. Right. It was what's going to happen with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Right? You, you want to eliminate drama from your team, but sometimes you have to be patient and you have to explain, you have to understand uh, as a player, as an organization, and especially as a coach. For the coach, it's probably, you know, uh, for uh, Don Granado, it must have been real difficult to have that atmosphere, but it's almost like that dark cloud just moved away, yeah. you know, from the organization, and all of a sudden they thrive. And By the now, way, there's a lot of dark clouds in Buffalo. It's like that <laughs> nine months a year. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, fact. But <laughs> once that cloud moves away, all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing the sun kind of creeping in, and then next thing you know, they'll be out of that rebuild. But if you look at Buffalo's history, as far as the rebuild, it's like, okay, we're going to get the first round pick. We're going to get the first round pick. And sometimes they pan, sometimes they don't pan out. But you have to be patient. And I think for Buffalo, that's the last thing I would have suspected. But the arrival of Kevin Adams and him being really, really strict and uh, patient with trading away Jack Eichel, uh, you gotta look that back on this in about you know five to six years, and you'll be like, wow, yeah. as a rookie GM with no experience, what a job he's done. Yeah, absolutely. I I give him a lot of credit there, and and just to watch how it changed. And I, I think one of the greatest things that changed is he when he made the deal, he got a talented player. He got two talented players back from Vegas, right? But he got Alex Tuck, yeah, who grew up in Syracuse as a Buffalo Sabres fan, yeah. And it was much like, to me, it was like when Jack Johnson got acquired for Jeff Carter and came in and said, I want to be here. I want to be here. You know, exactly. Alex Tuck was over the moon. That he, The biggest thing with Alex Tuck was, are you going to really wear number 89? That was uh, Alexander Mogilny. you really going to wear that? Right. Um, so that was a much better conversation than the one that they had been having for months on end with Jack Eichel. Yeah, and, and for the fans, they really needed it. You know, as everybody knows, nobody really showed up to the game in Buffalo. They were mad at the ownership group. But you have to look at the organization, and I'm not talking about the team necessarily, the organization. In Rochester, they have so many young, talented players, and Kevin Adams said, I'm not going to rush anyone. I'm going to let them develop in the American Hockey League so they can be successful. Why bring them to the NHL and be part of that drama? So all these young guys here in the next season or two are going to make the jump up, and that's going to be another team to watch out for for the next few years. Right. As Dylan talked about earlier when I was talking about Pittsburgh-Washington because we talk about our division, but it's it, there's a conference, right? And, and there's wild cards. So when you're dealing with that, you're going to have to deal with an improved Buffalo Sabres. Uh, you've had to deal now with the Florida Panthers who have uh, jumped back into it and have gotten very good. And, you know, and those aren't going to be the only teams. Yeah. So it's... Uh, you know, there's a lot of good competition out there. The league wants parity. The league has achieved a lot of what they want to with the salary cap and the way the teams are structured and uh, structured and balanced. Yeah, and as a former player, honestly, salary cap, you look at it and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is brutal for the players. Yep. But And it's brutal for the general managers and the teams as well, but it brings more parity, and as a fan, that's what you want to see. Everybody has a chance, but now – it's more of that money ball type attitude where these guys have to move numbers all day yep. long, not just players and talent. Dylan, you've been quiet for some time. 
You're scrolling in your phone. He's looking for catch-up tips on Amazon. Uh, we're either putting you to sleep or you're doing work. No, right? just checking out some different contracts. Some things. We are at pick number 176 right now. What is the, the Blue Jackets' final pick? What number is it? Blue Jackets have, I believe, Anaheim's pick in the seventh round. Um, give me one second to give you what number. Well, that should that's be fairly early. Be. They were bad. <laughs> well, the Blue Jackets, I believe, Anaheim. Anaheim is what the thirteenth pick, I believe. Uh, well, I guess if I would just. I Sorry, I don't I know what our board, seventh round pick yeah. is. It's the 203rd pick overall. 203rd pick. All right. I was yeah. just. All right. So, 10 picks into that. Yeah. Because we'll be at 193. So, we're just going to keep talking hockey until we get to that. We'll, we'll round it out. Fair enough. We'll round it. We should have. I wonder if Yarma would. If we get somebody to talk to us from the hockey ops when it's all said and done, that would be nice. Maybe we can work on that. Speaking of that, there's John Davidson. Glad handing up there near the stage. And always good, always good to see JD at these things because you, you want to talk about guys that are networked in. Oh my goodness, right? Oh yeah. Uh, anywhere he walks around, people recognize that guy. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Oh. So the Blue Jackets adding today in the second day of the NHL draft from Montreal. How about my Greer family? Like, you know, what a proud moment for that family, right? Yeah. You get, your son, that was the, well, so Mike Greer's brother is the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we talked about this last yeah, night. Yeah, we did yeah. talk about it on the air. Kind of crazy, this up. and it's like you look at it as like as a former uh, player and obviously being a player of color, it's kind of nice to see. Now he's the first black general manager in the NHL history, and then his brother did the same thing at the NFL level as well. And, you know, they, they just happen to be brothers. It's kind of crazy in two different sports. Yes. Uh, you know, I... I, well, I felt bad for the Sharks overall last night, but, you know, with uh, Brian Marchman passing away and uh, he worked for the San Jose Sharks, you know, Mike Greer gave, came up and, and did really a wonderful eulogy uh, on the stage. And it, from the other aspect of it, like, it's his chance to be showcased right. in that role. And, but, but he just graciously... It wasn't about him, right? It right. Wasn't about it, him. it was exactly. about his former teammate. It was about an employee of the organization, yeah. and uh, and it was great. What he what he did was great, and I, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be an interesting guy to watch. He's obviously a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. And coming from a smart family, and I wonder how much he and his brother will compare notes, even though it's two different leagues, very different leagues. Yeah. Uh, and one has more money than you can print, and the other one does not. Uh, and you have to be a little bit more frugal on stuff, but um, it'd be interesting to. To uh, to hear how they compare notes about uh, the different sports and, and doing the same job in a different sport with different parameters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, got a great ovation from the crowd here yes, in he Montreal yes, yesterday he when he was introduced. He's uh, a great player. I mean, hard nosed player, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from. In this sport, if you're a hard nosed player, and a guy that a guy that works and a guy that's honest. That's all people care about. That's all people and, and that's why about. that's why he got the ovation he got. Yeah. And as we talk about ovation, there were also a lot of boos, obviously Gary Bettman getting the loudest one. But how <laughs> funny was it when uh, uh, the Arizona Coyotes uh, <laughs> came up and started talking about how excited they were about their 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 new deal uh, with the arena yeah. over at Arizona State and 
the crowd just went crazy in here. It was kind of. <laughs> do they wait. still? Uh, uh, so let me ask you this. Speaking of that, do they still get mad about non-traditional hockey markets being in the National Hockey League here? Here, yes, it's pretty personal. I think it's because of the departure of the Nordiques, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously Quebec has an NHL-ready arena that they built. Oh, my gosh, it's got to be 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, hoping to get an NHL team. And their wish is to get Arizona back to Quebec. You know, that's their goal. There's and no way I see that happening. Well, it's not going to happen, and that is why oh, yeah. Gary Batman oh, okay. and Arizona good. get booed like, I, got you. I mean, it was almost uncomfortable. I got you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. So that, so that's why that's that is literally some of the mindset around here is that is that's the one they see. Yes, exactly. Okay. I got you. That, I'm telling you right now, that's going to Houston before it ever goes to. Quebec. Oh yeah, 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 hands Absolutely. down, hundred percent. And I'm not uh, saying it's going anywhere. Obviously, it's not going anywhere because this stuff has been going on for two decades, and now they're going to play in a five thousand seat arena for the next couple of years while they try to get another arena deal done and a building built in Arizona. Look, I got nothing against Arizona. It's a, it's a, a great place to go. Uh, we were kind of joking last night. Logan Cooley gets taken uh, third overall. Uh, who else went there? Connor Geeky. Connor went Geeky. There. And, uh, you know, we joke around about, oh, man, that, that, that's a struggling franchise. Who wants to go there? And as I said, you can wear flip flops to practice every day. Absolutely. So hey, that's a selling point. Connor Geeky grew up in a town with like 175 people and had the keys to the rink. I don't think he's <laughs> going to have any problem playing in a 5,000 seat arena. Not to mention those two guys. Uh, get to be out there at Arizona State all the time. Worst places to be. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, guess what? Say what you want. Make your jokes about them now. We were just talking about Buffalo. Um, you make your jokes because they turn it around. At, if, if There's no guarantee. I get it. But in most cases, teams turn it around yep. and they become good. And then uh, you go from being the butt of the jokes to making yeah. the jokes. So. And honestly, I think. Do they I had like 472 it, draft picks, right? Right. I mean, yeah, Buffalo has like 12, yeah. 13 picks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. I think it's a good idea to be in an arena that size? Absolutely not. But no. think about how electrifying and electric, I mean, sorry, how electric the atmosphere is going to be in that building when you go. Well, it could be like <laughs> the minor league days. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And, uh, and, and to be honest with you, and look, because I've worked in that Arizona building a lot, and it's a nice building. But to your point, if you're going to do it with 12,000 people in a 19 or 20,000 seat arena, if you're going to do it with 6,000 people in a 20,000 seat arena, it's not going to nearly have right. the effect that it's going to have 5,000 in a 5,000 seat arena. Everybody on top of one another because there's just not enough room to right. do anything else. Right, 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 right. Remember back in the days in Albany when you'd go and have the curtains? <laughs> To block half the arena just to make sure that you and it's, feel like there's more people. And it still had no atmosphere. <laughs> it's still brutal. Oh Terrible. Gosh. I don't see, like you want to talk about things that I triggered you earlier? In Albany, they didn't have a press box. And we had to sit to broadcast the game, we had to sit in the front row of the upper bowl. And you, in the seat Behind I, the curtain or in front of the curtain? Just in front of the curtain. <laughs> there were many games I called there I wish I was on the behind the curtain. But anyway, um, he had to sit. The, the stadium seat was had to be flipped up. I couldn't put it down because of the table height. I couldn't sit in the seat while it was down, or the table height was at nose level. So that didn't work. It, the table had been there for about 38 years, and it was a, a splintering wooden table. I never wore any good suit pants there, I'm telling you, because all you do is get your pants caught on the damn table and rip your pants anyway. <laughs> oh. So, And then there were no people in the building. And then 
And then Lou Lamarillo was the GM in New Jersey at the time, and Lou had this rule where the, the dressing rooms were right next to each other in the downstairs hallway. For some reason, the visiting coach could walk down the hallway past the home room to go to the media room for the dinner. However, if the broadcaster was walking down that hallway, you were not allowed to go in front of the home room. God forbid you might see something that you report, which I never did because I wasn't looking. But anyway, I'd have to climb all the way back up through the stands, go across the concourse, then come back down on the other side. So I, Albany, New York is not a favorite stop of mine. If I go back there ever, it'll be probably by accident. Well, but that makes you that more that much more appreciative for the situation you're in now going to NHL right. Arena. So when you go to Arizona next year, you'll be like, I'm just that's right. glad I'm here. But that's why when people <laughs> complain about, you know, in Edmonton, you're so far away from the ice, that's when I try to think about yeah. those other things. Like, uh, I've seen worse. Far away from the ice, but they have M&Ms out there, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling right through the sixth round of this uh, NHL yeah, we're draft. we're going to get to the Blue Jackets pick here soon. Yeah, we're at... Uh, Sitting at 186 for the Florida Panthers to make uh, right now. Florida Panthers, great regular season for them. Uh, got through the first round of the playoffs, got swept out in the second round by the Tampa Bay Lightning, former Blue Jackets assistant general manager. Bill Zito, the GM there, uh, already making some moves. Got a brand-new coach in Paul Maurice. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, we talked about Sergei Bobrovsky earlier. There's been a lot of talk that uh, the Panthers – would like to move Sergei Bobrovsky, but the only way they're going to do it is by keeping a big chunk of his $10 million a year salary. So are they willing to have to eat, I don't know, 4 or $5 million? Yeah, he's got a no-trade clause that kicks in after this season. So What's he been there? Is it three years? Has he played three years in Florida? or This this was his third. This he's is, four. Yeah, I believe he's got four this left, will be, right? yeah. yeah four so. left at no, $10 actually, million that was, apiece. That was his second. Yeah. Yeah, second season. This will yeah. be the third coming yeah. up here. Oh, he's only played so he's two? Five more. Why does it seem like he left 100 years ago? Yeah. just feels like it. We've yeah. got Rick Nash coming over to join us right oh, now. Oh, we do? Yeah. See? See, when Dylan's quiet, he's actually doing stuff. He's, yeah. He's actually like, we're just sitting here. You and I are just sitting here just, you know, talking about nothing. And Dylan's Chips actually doing Albany. stuff. <laughs> Which, again, is nothing. <laughs> um, but uh, having a great time. Oh. Got Rick Nash here to join us Rick in just Nash. a moment. We can have the insider on Jackets Insider here to join us at the She's end. She's still here. Yeah, it's right below. I thought he'd be near the food. <laughs> That's where I would be if I was downstairs. Absolutely. The food. I hope there's another croissant before I leave. Is that right? Croissant. Croissant. Rick Nash is with us right now, Blue Jackets uh, Director of Player Development. Thank you, Rick. We always appreciate talking to you. How uh, Jean-Luc and I have been talking about um, – you know, for us, you get to come back here and be amongst uh, the who's who in hockey and get to see old friends and people you haven't seen forever and all that. For Dylan, it's a new experience. And Ten years from now, he'll be able to experience that. But what's it like for you to be able here to be here, and especially in a new role as an executive and uh, and be amongst all the people that you have been? Yeah, it's, re it's really cool. And it's funny, as you keep coming to these, you keep running into, uh, you know, former teammates, former coaches, um, you know, former management. So it, it, it's awesome to come to the draft. And, and it brings back a lot of memories, too, of, of sitting in the stands and, and waiting for your name to be called and, uh, you know, seeing all the excitement of these families. Yeah, no doubt about that. How many former players do you see that now have jobs that you say, I can't believe that guy got hired? 
<laughs> good, good question. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold off that. I one. knew you would. I, I knew you would. I just wanted to ask it anyway, <laughs> because there's some guys I see and I go, Sean, look, that guy's got a job. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna touch that one. I used either. to sit. I used to sit on the bus with that guy. He's got a job. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, how happy are you guys with what you were able to do? Not just last night. It was a great night getting those two. Uh, highly skilled defenseman, but uh, in, in what you've done so far here today with one pick uh, left to take. Yeah, I think our scouts have done a great job. Um, funny enough, I was just looking at our list, and, uh, you know, we, we, we had a few of these guys that we've taken today, um, you know, up near the top. So it's uh, it, it's a good day. I, I think, you you know, you try to forecast it and see where these guys fit in down the, uh, down the road, and we never know. But, um, you know, I, I think there's some excitement around this draft that we're happy with the guys we got. Yeah, and it's it's been kind of uh, well, like I said, you guys, Yarmo's always been a best available player guy, and last night the best two players available were defensemen, and uh, then today he goes and gets a centerman with that first pick today. He's gotten a couple of uh, skilled forwards, guys that have had great numbers playing in junior, uh, and then you know once they once they're in the pipeline, then they kind of get turned over to your department, you and Derek Dorsett, uh, the guys that start to to uh, check on them and. Uh, you know, keep them in touch with the Blue Jackets and develop them. And so have you been able to say anything to these guys today except shake their hand and say, how are you doing? Congratulations. Yeah, you know what? You just tell them to try to slow things down and take it in. Um, you know, obviously uh, next week we'll get to work with the guys a bit at, at development camp, which we're, we're looking forward to. But uh, the only advice I gave, I gave them today when I shook their hand was make sure you uh, try to slow it down and, and enjoy it with your family and, and try to take it all in because it's a whirlwind of a uh, situation. How excited are you by what the Blue Jackets have done, you know, not this year, but but both of these last two years because it makes things interesting for you now. You have you and I talked about it during the season so many times, different prospects the Blue Jackets drafted last year and years before that, but now you've got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of guys that you have to keep up with and pay attention to, but how exciting is that for you that the Blue Jackets prospect base is that deep now? Yeah, the uh, prospect list has, uh, has doubled seen, uh, since I've taken over this yeah. position. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot of work, but, uh, you know, myself and Derek Dorsett and Yarko Rutu are we're enjoying it along with uh, Nick, Nick Backstrom. And, you know, we, we got a goalie today. So uh, it, it's a lot of work, but uh, this is the future of the organization. This is important that we, uh, we make sure we, uh, we kind of forge their, their roadmap to, uh, to try to become the best player they can. Definitely. You talked about... Um, given the advice you sat there you, you you were picked you were picked in the draft right away um i know it was a long time ago but when you come back into this atmosphere you, you still get those memories and those feelings oh for sure i mean it's uh it's hard not to you know and, and we're getting into the late rounds now and you know you still see some of the kids in their suits and uh, with their families and you know, I'm just sitting at the table hoping they get drafted to, to feel that excitement. But uh, I think Marty St. Louis said it the best yesterday to open it up. Um, you know, if you don't get drafted, that's not the end of the game. That's just the beginning of proving people wrong. And, you know, as, as, as lucky as I was to uh, be the first name called, um, I have a total appreciation for guys like Marty. Yeah, as he said, it took him 47 years to get to the NHL draft, and, and it was last night. That's, that's really a great point. And we were talking about this earlier. These are great moments for these kids. They've done so much work just to get here. But the work they're going to have to do from here until the time that they make an NHL roster is uh, its going to be a tremendous amount of work, and that's where you guys come in to helping them along in whatever way you can. 
Yeah, it was a fun thing last night after the first round was over. We went up to the uh, the team suite, and you know our two our two draft picks were there, our two D men, and you know it was funny. Before you could start saying congratulations, they were already telling us that you know now this is where the work starts. So it was uh, it was very encouraging to hear that. Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, this is just a uh, a stepping stone. You you had your name called, but you haven't really proved much at at the next level. And and that's our job to help them uh, try to get there and be uh, good Blue Jacket players. We've talked to every guy that has been here that you guys have picked, and the one thing that kind of oozes in all of these guys is character. And you know, it, it's easy to see, it's easy to watch them play and know what they can do on the ice. How much work do those guys at that table put into finding out who they are as people? in knowing that they're the right people to have in this organization. I, I honestly think it's a job that, um, you know, doesn't get enough credit. These scouts are traveling around the world to see these players, and they're not seeing them four or five times. They're seeing them 30 to 40 times. Off the ice, they're trying to meet with them, you know, interviews. Um, they're trying to get, uh, you know, feedback from coaches, strength coaches, parents, friends. So. It really is a job that goes unnoticed, but when you when you see a team, you know, like Colorado or Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup, um, you you just kind of understand of how much work went into from the uh, from the scouts. And funny enough, when as I was a player, I, I didn't I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. I didn't know how much these guys were traveling. But being on the other side now, it's uh, it's truly a, a position that's so important to hockey. You and Bob just talked about when you were drafted, and I know the Blue Jackets didn't get this guy because he ended up being the first overall pick in the draft in Uri Slavkovsky, but his pro comparison is you. Is that weird for you to, to see a guy like that go first overall just like you did and people say, yeah, this guy's going to be like Rick Nash? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, you know, obviously being over at the Worlds, I got to see him five or six times, and he was a really impressive player. Um, he, he seemed to have all the tools. So, uh, hey, it, it's, uh, you know, you're kind of honored when you hear first overall picks <laughs> get compared to you, um, especially when it's that long ago. But uh, I, I think he's going to have a bright future here in Montreal. When you watch him play, did you ever say, hey, he looks just like me? No, I always <laughs> think he, lo he looked a lot better, faster, <laughs> better hands. <laughs> I haven't seen anybody with my comparison, so that's a good thing for you. <laughs> but, Rick, uh, you were just talking about the, you never realize the amount of work when you're playing that goes on behind the scenes. We're sitting here, and you look at a team like Tampa Bay, and they have a lot of late-round picks that really develop. As a player development, is that something that you reach out to other teams to kind of find out, like, whether it's from former teammates, players, how they develop, and, you know, some of the tricks of the trades, I guess? Is that part of your job as well? Yeah, good, good question, because, um, you know, obviously Chris Clark, did the development before, and I, I have his brain to pick, and Yarko's been doing it for a while. But for me and Doris, we're kind of fresh into the game of, uh, of development. So we've been lucky enough to know guys around the league that are in the same role and, and some older guys that have been doing it for a while, and, and we definitely pick their brains and get ideas and, and see what they're doing. And, and on the late picks, it's, it's incredible. You know, everyone thinks that this is kind of the sleepy kind of the draft, but, I mean, if you have a sixth rounder or a seventh rounder that be, ends up becoming an 82-game player, that's a, that's a huge deal for an organization. So, um, you know, you, you're right. We, we try to gather info all over the place in, in, in any way we can get better and, and learn from former Stanley Cup champions and try to bring it back to Columbus, we do. Absolutely. Well, you're almost there. They're at uh, pick 196 right now. You guys have 203. That's your last one of the day. I don't think you're almost going to 
pull a trade. They said he's going to talk after he's taken that pick, so I guess he'll be done for the day. <laughs> yeah, back back to Columbus, get ready for development camp, and uh, it's exciting. Get to see these uh, new draft picks on the ice. Development camp's going to be at the Chiller North because of all the stuff that's going on at, uh, at Nationwide Arena. In some ways, uh, you know, it's always fun to have people come and, and pack the ice house, but uh, how much are you hoping that those people still find their way out there to see some of these guys? Yeah, you know what, after the buzz that we had around Nationwide Arena last year, um, you know, when, when expectations probably weren't the highest, I felt like the buzz around the rink was incredible. Um, you, you know, whether it was a, you were playing on a Tuesday night, the, the arena was still packed. And, uh, you know, I, I expect the same for development camp. These, these draft picks are exciting. And then, uh, you know, obviously Columbus people haven't seen some of these kids in, in our hometown. So, you know, hopefully they'll get to come out and see the, the, the play, play the skill work and some three-on-three games, and uh, it should be a good week. Rick, thanks so much for doing this. Always great to talk to you. I hope you've enjoyed your time in Montreal. We'll see you at development camp. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Rick Nash, Director of Player Development for the Blue Jackets, talking with us as the Blue Jackets are getting ready to wrap up the yeah. 2022 draft. You know, as we're talking to Rick, you have to look at him, Derek Dorsett, as uh, so you know at the NHL you pick second, third, fourth round, and it would be like the NFL team having to draft guys that are playing high school football right now. And Rick Nash and Derek Dorsett are basically like the college football coach, coaching staff that now needs to develop these guys. And you never know what's going to happen because you see in college, they pick a five-star, he turns out into nothing. But the NFL team is not going to draft them. But in the NHL, it's the opposite. You're drafting these guys so young. And now you have to trust Rick Nash and his staff to develop them the right way, along with their coaches, of course, and predict what could happen four, five, six years from now. That's right. And the hardest part is what you just talked about, along with their coaches. I mean, it's not a baseball minor league system where you're going to control every aspect of their development. They're playing for different teams all over the world, and you're trying to go in and you're trying to help them, but you're also not trying to step on the toes of the coaches that they're playing for, which is, to me, one of the, the more delicate challenges right. of the job. Yeah, it really is, and that's why when you look at the successful team in the NHL, especially now, it's not like the old days where you could just go and trade for all the best players and have them on your team. It's literally like the successful teams now, a lot of them are their own draft pick that they develop, and now they are a big contributor on their team. So, so, not easy. One more pick to go. We're on pick 200 right now. Again, the Blue Jackets have pick number 203. When we get to pick number 203, we'll talk about that player. But we're we're on the downside here. We're going to be going out. Yeah, we're going three hours strong we right are. now. So no, we're fine. But I, I got to ask you, and I'm going to start with you this time, Dylan, because I've kind of been teasing you here about this, you know, not having the uh, the networking base yet. But uh, your very first National Hockey League draft, what what have you thought here? Well, I think it's really cool, and it's nice because I've gotten to meet a lot of people, which is really cool. Thanks to you and John Luke for for hooking it up that way. But you know, I think it's fun. This stuff, you know. Some people aren't into the prospect thing, and they care more about the players when they're in the league, and I completely get that. I, that's what I care about during the season, too. But I always uh, keep, uh, keep my eyes and ears on what's going on uh, with the prospects and things like that because it just really intrigues me. That's how, you, that's how you stay relevant in the NHL. Is You were talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier that they always traded their picks, but you know the way you, you stay relevant in the league is find those gems and find those guys that can fill right in just like the penguins have done those third fourth rounders that that slot in for you so uh, uh that's been something that i've really enjoyed about this is seeing it in person seeing how it all works at the draft and being able to talk about these guys and watch their dreams come true because it's sweet and 
I like being able to get get uh, your foot in the door with these prospects as soon as they're drafted too. We've been lucky. We've had so many guys here on the floor that speak yeah. English as well, yep. uh, and we've gotten to get to know them and bring this to the fans because that's the most important part for me is I want to educate the fan base about these guys and, and get the fan base excited about these young Blue Jackets because that's who you're going to be watching eventually at Nationwide Arena, and the more you know about these guys, the earlier the better. It's funny what uh, Rick Nash just said about seeing the guys that are sitting here in their suits, and he's hoping that they get drafted. And Jackson Edward was just taken with the 200th pick by the Boston Bruins, and he's here in the building and, uh, you know, getting to, to make that walk down the stairs. Those seventh-rounders, they're precious, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. John Luke, were you, in, you were in person at your draft, right? I, I was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, seventh round, 169th overall. So, that would have made me a six-rounder in today's there game. There you go. But, uh, See that? So, trending you know, upwards, baby. Bit, yeah. That's right. 20-some 20, uh, 20 years later, you're trending upwards. That's right, <laughs> trending up. But, yes, it, it's, a, it's a long day, and it's a little bit of disappointment, but it's also a lot of joy because there's also a lot of guys that are not going to be picked. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But like Rick said, the works really starts tomorrow for these guys. So, yes, the difference between being a six-round pick and a second-round pick might be your initial contract money-wise, but everybody has the same chance at the end of the day. So the Blue Jackets are on the clock. One more thing I'll say is I yes. like the dinners, too. <laughs> the dinners were good here. <laughs> the dinners was great, and... Being able to interact with Milan was awesome. Yes, yes. yes. Getting to know Milan Tishi, who yeah. who is the scout that that you know found the Blue Jackets' first pick in this draft, David Yurichek. I'm not going to say he found him, but he's the guy that scouted him right. because everybody knew about Yurichek. But James Fisher is the final pick for the Blue Jackets. Take him out of high school. Yeah, he high is school, a he is a prep player from Massachusetts. 18 years old from the Minutemen Flames. Another big guy, six foot two, 194 pound right shot centerman, uh, rated number 99 overall in North American skaters by uh, NHL Central Scouting. Certainly an interesting prospect for the Blue Jackets, and he is going to play collegiately at Northeastern University next oh, okay. season. All right. So a big right shot centerman for the Blue Jackets so that's going to play some college hockey. Were there only two players that were taken out of high school? Last night there was a kid taken out of uh, by Chicago, I right? think there's got to be yeah. more players that we just yeah. haven't noticed that that's have gotten taken out of high school for sure. But, yeah, yeah but the Blackhawks took one in the first round. Yeah. I mean, we probably didn't notice because we had to talk about things like potato chips. That's <laughs> just how it is. That's just how it is. Priorities. So James Fisher is the final Blue Jackets pick of the 2022 NHL draft. Um, to, it has been fun here, and I, I hope it is uh, translated with you. I'm looking at uh, Twitter, at my account at Bobby Max Sports, and Kai says this has been fantastic all day long. Props to you guys for keeping this going today. Thanks to you guys. I mean, thanks for for having the interest and in, in being bought in, and and maybe you got stuck at work on a Friday and you were just able to put us on and listen to us all day long. Uh, talk about what the Blue Jackets are doing, what's going on in the National Hockey League, and sometimes talk about nothing whatsoever. So it has been a lot of fun. And guys, I really enjoyed working with you the last couple of days. And not just the work, but, uh, you know, we came here on Tuesday. We're going back tomorrow. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, You guys have done a lot of hard work and made it fun in the process. So thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. It's been great. Thanks for everybody uh, for joining us as well. We appreciate all the support and all the interest in the Blue Jackets draft. Do you have the... Uh, I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm sorry about this, but do you have the the uh, development camp 
information there? I let's see. I do have the development camp information. Development camp did, John, for the Blue Jackets starting off uh, on Monday, July 11th. Blue Jackets uh, will be on the ice 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Uh, media availability to follow after that. Tuesday, same timing. Wednesday, same timing for the Blue Jackets. So uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Chiller North in Columbus. And, you know, a little morning skate action for the Blue Jackets. And I believe the three-on-three tournament scheduled for Wednesday to finish yes. things up. So that's when we'll get to see some of the real skill for these guys, that three-on-three tournament. All right, that's development camp again. It's going to be at the Chiller North in Lewis Center because of the uh, renovations that are going on at Nationwide Arena. They have to move it off-site this year, but they'll, they'll be having it. And you have a chance to come out and see some of the guys that you've heard from on our show last night or the show that we have done today. Thanks to uh, Todd Chirac. Uh, the VP of Communications for the Blue Jackets uh, for for getting us all the people that he did, uh, getting all of those players over to us, getting us Rick Nash here. Um, you know, those guys have a lot of things they have to do too, and they went out of their way to detour and get them over here so that you could get to learn a little bit about them. So uh, thanks to them. And uh, who else do I need to thank on this? Marcus Stevenson, our VP of Content, who put this uh, entire idea and trip together for us. Uh, uh, Derek Dolly, who booked our flights, you know, so we got treated like rock stars. We didn't have to do anything. They just said show up here and and be there, and um, right. and we still were late. But anyway, uh, we <laughs> but it's uh, we just really appreciate it. That that's the bottom line. We just want you to know that we appreciate you, and we really appreciate the opportunity to come here to the draft and be able to bring it to you live through uh, seven rounds of it. Now, Blue also Jack a big thank yep. you to the Blue Jackets organization yes. for. Not only having us there, but really, like, welcoming us into the team dinner the day before the draft. That was a great experience to be able to interact with, uh, you know, anywhere from scouts to kids to upper management. It was uh, probably the highlight of this trip for me. And we got to meet some coaches here, too. I mean, the, right. uh, the Lake Erie. Lake Erie, good Lord. I just went back in time. The Cleveland <laughs> Monsters coaching staff. That's right. Uh, they were here, and uh, they'll be at development camp next year. But uh, the guys from... Kalamazoo and the East Coast Hockey League That's were right. here. We got to talk to them. Some of the guys from Mississauga. Oh, wow, the Winnipeg Jets just uh, drafted a guy in the seventh round, and he's got, he's got a, a lot of people here. With him here. Like that, that whole section erupted. Like it, you couldn't miss it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Dominic Devencius. Yeah. So that's good. Well, that to was see. a good thing to end on. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that's the perfect ending because as we're just wrapping things up here, uh, one young man's dream just came true in front of a whole ton of friends and family, and that's what the NHL draft is about. And as we have said, today it's enjoyment. Tomorrow it's go to work. Thank you so much for being there. Uh, you can check out uh, everything about this draft and get prepared for development camp, of course, by going to bluejackets.com or by using the Blue Jackets app. I will have another CBJ30 coming to you live from the Chiller North on Monday. I believe that's at 11 o'clock. I'll tweet it out on, on Monday. Going to do another uh, one of these live from development camp. But thanks for being with us for the draft. For Dylan Tyre and Jean-Luc Grandpierre, I am Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening to Draft Coverage with us all weekend.